VHS files contain spoilers, adult content, and harsh language. Listener discretion is advised. It's showtime. Welcome to the VHS Files Podcast with Jenny Lou. So what do you want to do tonight? Jason. What about pizza and movie night? Eric. I want to rent a movie. And Josh. I want to go to a good video store so I can get a good movie. And this is the movie of the week. Let's get this pizza movie night started. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back. Yeah, we're back. And if you heard, Jason's back. Jason is back. Everyone, give him a round of applause. Jason, I'm back. Yes, I'm. I'm alive among the living. Back from the brink. He survived the Rona. Yes, the the C19 is out of the system. Yay. I don't recommend it, children. Oh, don't go out and lick door handles. <laughs> Not a good idea. Or don't. toilets. Jason yeah, learned that the hard yeah. way. Way too many. I mean, I can't have it. I mean, it's a habit. I, I just like to lick a door handle every now and then. It's delicious. It's, I love the taste of stainless steel on my tongue. I can't help it. But yeah, I'm back. And thanks to you three guys for checking on me all the time, making sure I was okay and among the living. Thank you, all three of you guys. Really appreciate it. You're welcome, man. Of course, of course. We're worried about you, buddy. So welcome to episode 18, and I guess officially our first show of the new year. I mean, we did kick it off with the Die Hard, but technically we recorded that in December. So, But we're coming to you from 2021 with a great movie and all that good stuff. We welcome to Jason back. Tonight we're going to be doing our movie of the week, so let's get to it. The movie of the week. This week is John Carpenter's The Thing. Some more John Carpenter for us. We've already talked about Halloween. We're all very big John Carpenter fans here, so we're very excited to be talking some more Carpenter. A little bit of background here. This was coming right after he had done The Fog and Escape from New York. Um, he had worked with Kurt Russell previously on the Elvis movie, which was a made-for-TV movie that he did with Kurt Russell. And worked with him again on Escape from New York, and then he came over to this. Um, not going to go into a whole lot of John Carpenter, what he did, because we're going to get to all the stuff that John Carpenter did in the future. But I do want to bring up that this is, I think, the second time he worked with the effects guy, Rob Botton, who worked on this. And the thing is known for its creature effects. I really wanted to bring him up and talk about this. Um, his first time working with Carpenter was on the fog. He had worked on the howling previous as well, which has one of the, one of the best werewolf transformation scenes in film history, in my opinion. Oh yes. And notably, notably five months before Baker's in American American werewolf. Werewolf. Mm -hmm. And, and I think, I mean, he worked with Baker before that. So he was, he was kind of a, I don't know if you would call him an apprentice of Baker's, but um, they work together, kind of had the same style. You can definitely tell the difference between between their their makeup, but oh, totally different. Um, so, I mean, we can talk about that when we do finally talk about the Howling and American Werewolf in London about how different those styles are and um, how that transformation scene uh, transformation scene goes down. But he would go on to do all kinds of stuff in Hollywood as far as makeup effects go. Uh, from here, he works on Inner Space with Dennis Quaid and Martin Short, one of my favorite <laughs> 80s comedies as a kid. Uh, worked on RoboCop, 
Total Recall, some of the, some of the, I mean, I can, after, after learning that he worked on Total Recall, I can definitely see yeah. his work in that. Absolutely. Yeah. If you just even look mm-hmm. at any of the films that he was involved in, you definitely see his style through yeah. every movie, like the gooiness and some of the recall alien monsters. And even in Legend, the aliens in, in Total Recall and the mutants oh, yeah. as well. Like there's it's, a lot of this similar. And even, the, even stuff that was a little uh, reserved, like he worked on Seven. Did the, yep. some of the makeup effects, uh, effects in that. Uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. So that was a little bit of a, you know, more more yep. of a, a head trip sort of style stuff for that. And he, he, he most did recently worked. effects in, in Mimic, too. And you think yeah. about the creature that he's created in the thing. Look at what he did with Mimic. Mm-hmm. Wow. That, yeah. that, that, I mean, that was crazy. And, I mean, he's still working. I mean, he's worked as, as soon as, like, he's he worked on Game of Thrones when Game of Thrones was on as well. So he's... Very, you know, very well known in the Hollywood business. This movie is probably a lot of his contribute. You know, his contribution to this movie is probably a lot of the reason why he got the work he did. I mean, the the creature effects in this movie are are amazing, um, and they hold up. Oh, still, yeah. they hold up all the way to now. Like, there's nothing I would change about any of it. It looks so good. 1982. Even the now. stop motion stuff looks well, good. We'll talk about a couple of things coming up, but yeah, I, I'm I'm right there along with you. Um, the thing was released June 25th of 1982 on a budget of $15 million, came in with a box office of $19.6 million. This was a bomb, guys. The thing was oh, yeah. considered a Hollywood bomb. Well, it was competing with, was I think around the time, was that ET, or people were like wanting movies like E.T. and stuff like well, that. It, it, I mean, this was released amongst the likes of Poltergeist, mm-hmm. E.T., Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And was released the same day as Blade Runner. I was about to say, yeah, Blade Runner. Yeah. Wow. So you had a lot of competition around this time in the theaters, and whether or not it was just something that everybody passed up. I heard that this got panned pretty bad with the critics as well back at that time. Oh, yeah. I got a thing here that says it was reviewed as instant junk, a wretched excess proposed to be the most hated film of all time when it was released. (laughs) And here we are talking about how much we love it. Yeah, so screw you, Cisco. I guess it was before its time. <laughs> well, everything goes in somewhat of a cycle in Hollywood. We're seeing it now with Star Star Wars because people hated the prequels so much, and now they've done the sequels to the original trilogy, and they're like, all the prequels were so much better. Like over time, things tend to change, and this was one of those movies where it just took some time for people to come around on it because if you really look at this movie. It is something to behold in in Hollywood, in my opinion, uh, just for the effects in general. Um, but there's a lot to this movie other than the effects as well. So, but being that this came out in 1982, we're gonna throw it over to Eric. Tell us what was cool back in 1982. We're sending you back in time. <gasps> Whoa, this is heavy. You. Yeah. Well, Josh. In 1982, the Epcot theme park opened to the public. Uh, One time I was buying a beer in the Germany section of Epcot, and the cashier said, $9, please. I was like, whoa, free beer. (laughs) It's a German joke. It's a German joke. Nine. Uh, Nine didn't come out in 1982, but that would have been a perfect joke for the Die Hard episode, Eric. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Time Magazine's Person of the Year was given to The Computer, which was the first time in its history it was awarded to a non-human. It's only been awarded to one non-human since then, when Mark Zuckerberg won it in 2010. (laughs) 
because uh, he's because wow. he's robotic. <laughs> I'm ex- I'm gonna explain my jokes. Okay, and then uh, Ozzy Osbourne bites the head off a bat on stage in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, apparently, thought it was fake mm-hmm. at the time. Found out the hard way. It uh, and yep. And uh, finally, if you were watching the ABC Sunday Night Movie in 1982, you might get a commercial break like this one. Hit it, Josh. <laughs> Since 1975, lettuce is up 61%. Hey, that's a lot of cabbage. Mushrooms. That's a lot of cabbage. Grapes, 82%. It's fruitless. In today's economy, you need Ziploc storage bags. With their unique seal, Ziploc bags are a zip to lock, and they stay locked. So foods stay fresher longer. What's up, Doc? Carrots, 138%. Oh no! Ziploc storage bags. There's no better way. To All right, that's enough. Nothing. That's enough of that. <laughs> In this economy, you need Ziploc storage bags. Yeah. I love that se- that sales pitch. You still Does- need Ziploc storage bags. <laughs> yeah. Does anyone know what Epcot stands for? Uh, oh, I used to, but no. Experimental prototype community of tomorrow. Or uh, if you're a bus driver. At Walt Disney World, every person comes out tired. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. Or the fact that the ride that's usually inside the big sphere is always broken, broke down. It's going away. Yeah, I thought I it heard, was. Uh, that's I thought a it shame. was becoming some Guardians of the Galaxy thing. That's in another part of it. Oh, uh, oh well. <laughs> it's bigger on the inside. That's what she said. I want to go ahead and play the trailer for the thing, and then we can get started talking about this later. Actually, a pretty cool trailer. Yeah. I mean, it shows a lot. You know, people talk about trailers showing too much these days, but the more we watch these old trailers, that one did show a lot. Yeah. Some of them, I mean, that's a lot. I mean, the whole Kurt Russell giving his speech kind of tells you what the whole movie's about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And they show a lot of the effects in there, too, like kind of letting the cat out of the bag a little bit. Well, I know. This was a later movie for me, so does anybody have any early memories of watching The Thing? I'll start with Jason, since he's the giant horror hound. <laughs> um, no, The Thing to me was definitely a rental later. Uh, 
I don't, I don't remember like my mom or stepdad wanting to watch this. It was, I was probably definitely in my teenage years. It was one of the cool movies in the horror section that you go, what in the world is it? And you, but you look on the back and you see Kurt Russell. Yeah. You know, and at this point I'd seen Kurt Russell in other movies. And so I watched this movie and then I realized, holy crap, this is one of the grossest movies I'd ever seen right <laughs> next to the fly with Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. And mm. you know, this they're right there together. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, there are some definitely more gooey, nasty parts uh, in the fly. But yeah, this was definitely a uh, later movie. But again, like we've talked about before, uh, going into the horse, looking at the boxes, you know, yeah. the artwork and stuff. And you're looking on the back and you see one of your one of the actors that you see in regular movies. And you're like, he did a horror movie. Let's check this out. So, yeah, the, bo- the box art for this movie is definitely a striking image. Yeah, the guy in the parka. <laughs> yeah, with the with the beam coming out of out of his face. Forgive me if I'm speaking out of turn, but I think between me, Jenny, and Eric, I think we're all relatively newcomers to the thing. Am I am I wrong in assuming that? I probably didn't see it until I was with you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I probably didn't see it till I was in high school. Yeah. I know I had so. se- seen bits and pieces of it when I was younger, but this was never one that I sat and watched all the way through. I would catch it here and there didn't know a ton about it. And it wasn't until I started getting into movies a little later in life that Carpenter movies started to stand out to me. So I had no idea this was a John Carpenter movie until, you know, probably in the last 10 years when I really started getting into wow. film. And yeah. I've, I, I've, it's like that with a lot of John Carpenter stuff, to be honest, like Memoirs of an Invisible Man. I didn't know he directed that. And I'm really anxious to go back and watch it now because I remember watching it a lot as a kid. Chevy Chase does a great job in that movie too. He's a little outside of himself usually. Yeah, I, it was normal. I remember it being a little reserved for a Chevy Chase movie at that time. But this one is one of those that once I found out Carpenter did it, it kind of fell into that category of, oh, well, there's a big debate on who, what your favorite Carpenter movie is or what the best Carpenter movie is. Seeing Halloween as many times as I did, Halloween was always just a, if you, if you want to talk Carpenter, it's Halloween for me. And there was a, a podcast that I brought up on the show before that Eric and I listened to a lot called uh, Film Junk. They kind of got my brain working a little bit about the thing because it's one of their host's favorite John Carpenter movies. And it made me want to go back and revisit it and kind of see, you know, once I started really getting into watching movies again, I really wanted to go back and start watching these directors' movies from the beginning and kind of seeing their evolution in filmmaking. It's so funny. Like, even Christine, I never it never dawned on me that it was a John Carpenter-directed movie. Watching you know, it now... John Carpenter across the top. Well, you're not paying attention to that kind of stuff when you're a kid. But, yeah, I mean, but watching Christine now, it is hard to deny that that is a John Carpenter movie. Like, oh, definitely. You really start to see the DNA in the movies when certain filmmakers are making them. You also start to see repeat actors, which is another thing that John Carpenter is very known for. Yeah, especially. Which, I mean, this is this is one here, case in point. Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, one of my favorite movies growing up was Big Trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Again, one one of my so, favorites as yeah. a kid. Did not realize it was a Carpenter movie until later in life. Yeah, and you realize yeah. kind of John Carpenter kind of start uh, started a lot of that. We're using the same actors in movies because he started it in the '70s, and then then you got people like Tarantino, 
that make yeah. their movies and it's a lot of the same guys because i think these directors realize like if i can get along with these guys and they're going to do what i want and they got they got the chops i'm just going to keep putting them in my movies mm-hmm. and make my life easier and make good movies yeah so. well i think you know that happens in other uh businesses oh, as yeah. well you know it's who you know it's you know you hire people you know that you trust and and uh yeah so they they end up working together multiple times and kurt russell is a goddamn legend Oh yeah. yeah. Just watching this, like I, I'm just like, God damn, that dude. What an epic career, dude. Like just thinking of the later stuff he's done, you know, somewhat recently and just he kicks all ass that, as Santa, just... man. <laughs> he does. Indeed he does. I'm not, I'm not subjected myself I to the Santa Chronicles. It. You did watch it? I watched hey, it. Hey, part too. one I, is good. Part I two, didn't watch I, the second I, one. I didn't even make it a quarter through. No, I, I shut it up. But the first one, he does a great job as Santa, man. Kind and of it's funny. Man. He's so likable. He has that big beard. And I read a note for this movie when uh, Kurt Russell was doing it. It took him a year to grow that beard before, wow. before he shot. It took him a whole year to grow that beard to, oh. just so he could play the role of McCready. It looks good. Though. I love his look in this movie, yeah. too. I love his whole vibe in this movie. He looks so awesome. And I love his that big fucking hat. hat, man. Dude, I want that hat. I've Since I was a kid, I wanted that hat. I mean, talk about like a, a prop from a movie that would be awesome to have. That hat would be amazing. Yeah. Hanging on your I wall. I bet you he has it. I want, we need to get a hold of Kurt Russell. Get him on the phone, Eric, and see if he has that hat on the wall. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned it, Jason. Uh, I should introduce our guest for this evening, <laughs> Kurt Russell. <laughs> he was definitely a repeat a repeat guy that I saw in movies as a kid. Um you know, he worked his way into some of my, you know, I was a Stallone and a Schwarzenegger fan. He worked his way into Tango and Cash. Oh, Cash. And, and then from there, like, Overboard was a Overboard. really big part of, of my movie watching as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a yeah. fun so, And he's also the star of probably my favorite, and I still will argue with you, that the best Western ever, Tombstone. Dude, Kurt Russell kills yeah. it in that movie, man. That's, that is that mustache he has is legendary. I think all the facial hair. Captain Ron, can we can we got some Captain Ron fans? Yeah, yeah. dude. Yes, yes. Uh, hell yeah. Never seen Captain Ron. What? What? You haven't seen the Gotta movie? Get that yep. So, Captain Ron next week. Hey, let's do the whole year. Just Kurt, Kurt Russell, Russell movies. <laughs> we could probably. I mean, it's fifty-two weeks in a year. He's done fifty-two movies. Easy. We could fill it Absolutely. up. Absolutely. Yeah, because he started out as a Disney kid. So he yeah. did Disney movies back in the older days. So. That's right. That's right. I do want to see his uh, the John Carpenter movie that he did, and in, 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 uh, he played Elvis. I'd like to see that. I haven't watched it yet. That's probably the only John Carpenter movie I don't own, to be honest with you. But there's one thing. I know we need to get in to talk about the movie. But the main thing that we all know about John Carpenter are, is his scores for the movies, but he didn't do the music for this movie. No, that's one thing I really did want to bring up and yeah. that I noticed watching it this time around yeah. for sure. It starts out, like, we'll go ahead and get into the to when the movie opens up in this just white landscape. They're in Antarctica, and it's a beautiful setting for a movie, especially for a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And yep. you get that kind of heartbeat score coming in dun, right dun. from the beginning. And which is very Carpenter. I mean, very much so. It 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 feels like the beginning of Precinct Thirteen yeah. to me, or something. I you know, like just that. Bum, bum, and and I think bum, bum, like it, and I think that's why people might either get confused or even like me. Like I had this notion that 
it was a very carpenter synth heavy score in the thing because that's that's probably the first thing that comes to mind when you think of this movie. But watching it, there are a lot of orchestral string moments in this that are not very carpenter esque. Yeah, it's like the, they they put some synth in there. There are a couple of key points where there are like a synthy score, but the rest of it is very string driven. And it's oh, and, yeah, and how do you true. pronounce the guy's name? Because I, I mean, he's super famous. In Ennio Morricone, Carpenter, and the guy, <laughs> that, yeah, and and this guy Sorry. is like known for what? Uh, speaking of westerns, for writing ex, at the ecstasy, the ecstasy of gold, mm-hmm. you know, and which also happens to be how Metallica opens every concert with mm-hmm. that same thing. But uh, good, it's the bad, just like, and the it, ugly score. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did uh, Django? Django, yeah. Or He's no, hateful eight. He did eight, hateful eight. He didn't do Django. Yeah, he did. I got it right here. Django, unchanged. He won the Oscar for hateful eight. Yeah, I think so. Did he? I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Well, the great the guy is a great composer, and like you said, it's weird that you know we all know John Carpenter for doing his movies or his are involved with his music, but then we have top yeah. notch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, composer here writing the music for that, but I think it's what he did is maybe he took what his style and then he's watched, you know, like Halloween and stuff. And he's like, how about I just kind of mesh the two? And well, that was 82 was when, you know, the whole synthesizer thing was really kicking off. And I think that's what he kind of did was took some old and some new and made the score for this. Well, I think Carpenter did work on some aspects of it. I think there is some stuff that he put in there. Oh, I would not doubt it. Yeah. I think Carpenter would have jumped at the opportunity to work with McC- uh, Ennio Marcone because he's a Western fanatic. John Carpenter oh, yeah. says, you know, he he's if you even if you watch his movies you can tell like he's drawing inspiration from western movies i mean that's a that's an important reference as well cuz you know this is also a a rem- a remake or a reimagining mm-hmm. of you know the, the thing from the, another world the thing from another world which honestly um, is a, a lot of what made carpenter not want to work on this he didn't think he would be able to hold up or do something that would hold up to the howard hawks film right I think we also need to nod, give a nod to to old uh, old Bill Lancaster for writing the screenplay because this movie's so tight. The screenplay is so wonderfully written, and and you know it it's not a simple thing. There's some complexity to this, and mm-hmm. you know, I, Josh, you've been ribbing you know old Nolan for his exposition and things like that as of late in these complicated yeah. you know kind of concept films that mm-hmm. he does and it requires a lot of explanation because the concept's so complex, but like th- there's some complexity here and it's all done very yes. naturally. Yes. You're, you're very right. This is, this isn't like Nolan hitting you over the head with what you're, what you're about to be watching. You really get to see this unfold naturally before your eyes. And even the exposition they give you is really just the characters finding out what, what we don't even know. You know, it's, um, which I mean, I guess they're doing the same thing in a Nolan film, but it just seems to be so heavy-handed in those kind of movies. Where here, it is very reserved. It is very, you know, a step back from just complete telling you what's going on. You're finding out as soon as they know. You don't really have any more of an explanation than what they're they're presenting to you. And I think what I, I think when you have the a, a nicely organized story as well, it. I mean, this thing is under two hours. I think it has a lot going for it in the fact that it's a single location. It's a very yeah. small cast. I think there are, what, 10 people in the cast, maybe? And 
they don't have a ton of things to have to, you know, they don't have a ton of stuff to throw at the wall and hope it sticks. You've got 10 people to deal with. You've got one setting to deal with and one problem. And you don't, you don't get a lot of information outside of what's going on either. Mm -hmm. We don't, we don't really know why that, uh, bases there what they do yeah mm -hmm. you gotta you know as you follow along you realize okay you know this guy's a doctor this guy's the commander this guy's a pilot you kind of can start you know figuring out who does what for the most part but it's not really important we don't get it you no, know and and it, it brings up questions throughout the movie that we never get answered i mean there it's a research facility an american research facility but what are they researching we don't know um why the fuck do they have dynamite we don't know uh I, they have a, a lot, lot of, of a lot of dynamite, <laughs> you know, oh, and that and flares. Yeah. Holy crap. How many flares did they use in this? No flares. I could understand in, in, in a blackout or a whiteout or whatever. I mean, but, but like I, I, the only reason I would really want to know more about this base is because I'd like to know what the hell they got so much dynamite for, but we don't get any of that. I mean, you can only assume that they're, that they're, you know, using it to, to crack open the ice. And, yeah. Research, research you know well, not only, layers of of ancient uh you know plus the fact that, that they're in antarctica i mean it's the u.s facility and then you had the norwegians which is how we start the movie off is with the norwegian helicopter chasing a dog across the snow yeah and you're and that's the whole thing you're like they're over there doing their thing obviously we find out later what happened but well this is that's how the whole thing is just chasing a dog across the snow and you're like and the first time you watch this movie is like why the hell are they trying to kill a dog? The ambiguity this movie starts <laughs> on is what makes it really riveting because all you see is this helicopter shooting at a dog and your first instinct, especially me and Jenny and Eric and probably Jason being a dog lover is what the hell is this guy shooting at this dog for? Yeah. You know, you are rooting for yeah. that dog. You're like, Oh, uh, you know, and what a switcheroo. They pull the rug right out from under you. That's, that's the last thing you should yeah, be. Wanting. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But it's, but a, they're terrible shots. Yeah, they. Oh, they're in a helicopter. Well, I mean, they seem like they get pretty. They're, they're, they're close at a research facility. I, they're they're not. Dog. They're not snipers. Yeah. I'm willing. Ah, I'm willing ah. to let the shooting go by the wayside for the fact that they're in a helicopter and all of that mess. But the sheer fact that the guy lets the grenade slip out of his hand when he goes to throw it <laughs> is laughable. Oh, dude. That's just like it was. It's icy, man. It's yeah. slippery. Leave him yeah. alone. He, the the, the window was open on the helicopter, dude. He, it's b like fifty below. He's like frostbitten in the hands. I never noticed before this though that the 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 helicopter pilot is the one who attempts to throw the grenade, and the other guy's already on the ground shooting. I don't know why I never really picked up on that before, but I was still focusing on the dog. It's also important to mention that this movie actually opens on the spaceship. Yeah. 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 Which we can assume is from hundred thousand years ago when the ship came yeah. down. Well, we already knew it was a hundred thousand years ago because that's what they told us in the trailer that we would have saw told us in the before the movie. I also find it kind of odd that they're in the middle of Antarctica. This guy comes in and starts shooting, and now uh, naturally you would want to protect yourself. There is someone there, I guess, that is deputized, has a gun, but breaks the window out of the place just to shoot the guy. It's like, dude, you're in Antarctica. You, get, you got to keep this place sealed up, but you're just going to bust the window out. Seems a little ridiculous, but. Well, I mean, you know, he didn't want that guy to kill. All of them. Yeah, he's a good shot, dude. Yeah, I, ma I made a pistol. I made a, a mental note to myself at anything that I bring up in this movie, how Eric was going to rebuttal <laughs> against it. I will defend this movie <laughs> irrationally. You're right, Josh. 
You're right. <laughs> so we're gonna. Ha- I'm gonna. It's gonna be happening yeah. the whole time. You say you criticize this movie. I'm gonna. I'm gonna jump on you. But we bring up. We brought up the dogs. You know, uh, in the midst of all of this, one of our guys in the uh, American research facility gets shot in the leg. They take out the guy right between the eyes. Well, I said, dude, cracked shot with that pistol from that far away. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So Absolutely. they decide they lucky shot. You know. Lucky uh, shot. They've got their their sled dogs there all up in a kennel. They see this dog. There's a guy there who is apparently the dog wrangler who's very Clark. Um, Clark, who is, you know, very attached to the dogs, takes the dog in. Where he's right there along with all of us. We don't know why they're shooting at this dog. We just Sure. We would all do the same thing. We would take the now, dog in. They bring up a point take later care. as to why it wasn't put directly into the kin kennel with the rest of the dogs. And he, he tells them, you know, it was just wandering around the compound. He didn't really think about it because you see that happening. You're not really thinking about the fact of a dog being a threat, you know, even, even though you see, yeah, people you would shooting think the dog it. is a crazy alien. Right. It's like, they could have, they could have figured that alien. maybe the dog attacked one of their guys or something. And he was, you know, like, let's go shoot the dog. Maybe he's got rabies or something. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing. I mean, right. you got to think logical. I mean, they're out in the middle of Antarctica. That that would be the only logical thing is like, he, the dog probably attacks somebody and they're trying to put it down. Yeah. You know, you don't, you're not thinking that it's got some kind of, like Eric said, shape-shifting alien inside of it. I do want to say, since we are talking about the dog, some of the best acting in this movie is from that dog. <laughs> Dude. That that dog's facial expressions dog. are just like it's the stare and then the kind of hey yeah like look. it moves very slowly <laughs> like there's one section where it's coming out from a uh, out of a doorway and it's moving very slow like it's being methodical mm-hmm. just that dog really acts well <laughs> yeah I wrote down is it weird to say this dog is a good actor I don't so, think so no he's really good <laughs> he he really sells it and. We see him moving throughout the compound, and I love that shot where he walks into a room and you just see a silhouette. You have no idea who it is. So I wanted to get everybody's opinion. Like, who do we think is patient zero here? Well, besides the dog, uh, besides the dog, like where where does the dog infiltrate the camp? The, the guy that has, I I think the patient zero is either, and I'm forgetting their names. I hold on. So I, I think I think it was either Palmer, Palmer or or uh, or Vance Norris. Norris is who I yeah. am. I nor yeah because because that shadow looks the, like the Norris. silhouette looks exactly yeah. like Norris. Mm-hmm. So yeah. and, and yeah. I don't know if you realize who Norris is. I don't know if you I can't remember. <laughs> he's the guy who has like the heart. Of, he's the guy who has a heart attack and then he's, okay, yeah, yeah, he's that guy. Um, he, he was a guy from Dante's Peak. <laughs> that's the only, what on that's earth? the only movie I remember what on earth? from is that. That's the magic that Jason brings to this <laughs> podcast right there. He's the guy from Dante's Peak. Yeah. He, he dies, break. too. Dante's that's Peak. really where my fascination for what's going on in this movie comes from, is, is where, where it starts and how it actually moves through the camp. It keeps you guessing from start to finish and you can really, you know, dissect the movie after the fact. And there's still questions Mm -hmm. uh, leading up to the very end, which we'll get to, but you know, there's, yeah, that it it is a wonderfully crafted mystery. Right. Right. 
you know, in its yeah, own just right. right from the beginning. Cause we're like, why is this dog wandering around? But I mean, like you said, cause the acting of the dog, it starts to make you wonder what the hell is wrong with this dog. Yeah. <laughs> it looks smarter. Yeah, than it, is. Like, it looks smarter than, well, a dog it's definitely be. smarter yeah. because they send what's his name. Doc, uh, Dr. Oh God, I forgot his name. Oh, Copper. Wilford Brimley, Dr. No, Blair? Uh, uh, Copper, because Copper, Copper yeah. wants to go check out oh, the Norwegian Copper, yeah. place. Mm-hmm. Him and McCready go yeah. over there and check that out. And, you know, we talk about how smart the dog is. And, what I mean, we get to the camp. It's on fire and all that stuff. And they're checking all this. You know, like something crazy has gone there. There's holes blown in the wall. Stuff's still on fire. There's And they find the video unit. But the thing is, I thought, like, they all right, you, they walk out there. And McCready's like, hey, doc, check this out. And we see, like, the ice coffin. Yeah. Yeah. Like something was in this block of ice. Mm-hmm. What a cool visual. That, that was great. I mean, it because it's huge. So you know something huge was inside of it. And this movie is often compared to Alien. I can yeah. I can understand and, the comparison you know, for sure. Yeah, and and they're two of my favorite movies. They're both definitely in my top mm-hmm. five, maybe even top three. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> we know Die Hard's in the top three, so that doesn't leave a whole lot of options there. I, so his <laughs> that's fine. I'm comfortable with those. So three Die Hard, the three. thing, I'm and Alien. There you very go. Very good. I'm very comfortable with that. But um, yeah, that's I like to. I don't like to really pick, but yeah, I mean they're just. But this feels a little like Alien when they are inspecting, you know, a place that has been mm-hmm. destroyed. Mm-hmm. You've got the block of ice, which reminds me of the, the, uh, the, the, what do they call them in Alien? Xenomorphs? The, the body. No, the body they find of the alien. The cocoon? What's it? What do they call? No, the body of the alien, not the, not the, not the xenomorph. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. The, um, the, fuck, the engineer. What do they call them? Yeah. Yeah. The engineer or whatever. So, you know, it, yeah, you, you find this sort of, and and it's sort of a parasitic almost sort it's yeah. not the thing isn't parasitic but you know it's there are some similarities there about you know the structure of things yes. mm-hmm. um well, and, what i find very interesting visually and storytelling wise about this is as they're going through this compound that's been burnt down you're getting a story throughout it because they walk down a hallway and there's an axe in the wall. They go into a bloody room. axe. Too. Yeah. Bloody axe. There's, they go into a room and there's a, a frozen man dead with blood pouring out of his wrist because he slit his wrist. Frozen yeah. blood. Really I cool. love yeah. the blood. Dude, that's that. That's blood. Talking about, are dope. talking about the special effects. Just that, yeah. that guy and his neck has been cut open mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Like his neck and his yeah, wrist. Like, like, Holy you just, moly. But the part I like is when you go through all that, and then when they go outside and they see the remains of something burned, mm-hmm. dude. That the first time I saw this movie, and the like, you could see the twisted face and the arms and all that stuff in the snow. You're like, whoa! What it's is where we this? really get our first glimpse at the makeup effects in this, and and I love the way they 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 shoot this and other times where they have like the autopsy scene and things like that. They they shoot it. You never get like a, a real good straight on like shot mm-hmm. of it. It's always sort of panning across kind of at an angle. You can't quite make sense of it because it's a big mixture of limbs and, and faces. And, and, and it's just like the fact that they never give you a real straight look at it. You kind of get a straighter look mm-hmm. at the end, but it just it's confusing. You don't know what to make of it. I, I love that the monster is not the, talk about like a creature design. Yeah. 
it's like it's yeah. everything and nothing it's there it's so disturbing looking because it doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. to us it doesn't look like it a creature and this is where it differs from alien where alien is so meticulously a xenomorph is so meticulously designed yes. so beautifully designed and, and it's like perfection in, in a sense right. you know and this is the opposite this is just like this chaos. is very different from the, from, from the monsters of the 80 that we got from the 80s like alien with the xenomorph predator, predator. With, with the whatever that's called the predator and where they're very clearly de- um, defined creatures. Whereas this right. was, I think that may have been something that turned people off about the thing is, is you never really, you never really got the sense of what it was or what it lo- looked like or, or anything. I think. Well, you don't get, you don't get an, an iconic character like the Xenomorph or an iconic, you know, uh, uh, something that's marketable. Yeah. There's nothing True. marketable about now. The creature from the thing, because it's just a big mess of even, yuck. Even though know? some of my favorite collector's items that I have are the three oh, yeah. NECA figures they put out oh. of the of the thing monster. Um, they're great. They're highly detailed. And I think the spider head is really yes. the 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 that's draw the most of, that's yeah. the most memorable one, I do believe. Yeah. Other than the dog. Well, the, I mean, that's really where it starts to, you know they get back from the Norwegian place and they start going through all this paperwork and figuring out what it was that they found. And they just get maps and everything's in Norwegian. So they don't know what they're reading. They just know that they've been looking, you know, researching things. Well, they saw the ship too. on that. Well, they see the video. They see the video and they off. mm -hmm. They actually go go back back. on. That's, that's one thing that I found. It's weird how many times they go back and forth in this. It seemed to me the first time I watched it, like that was all one thing together and they do make, they make, make multiple trips. And I guess it's because the weather is so bad. Uh, the first time they go, they don't want to be out too long because the weather's about to get pretty bad. Yeah. Well, the part that I, uh, I mentioned earlier started and I was going to get there was talking about how smart the dog is. Let's talk about how stupid these two are for bringing back something they found in the snow that Ugh. doesn't even look human. Let's just take it back to camp. Hey, it's cool. Well, they're a research yeah. base. Their whole point is to and I research guess, things. So that's yeah. probably the most interesting thing they've yeah. ever seen. And I guess Blair, uh, Mr. Wolfer Brimley, Mr. Diabetes, uh, yes. is the, I guess he's the scientist of the crew. You know, we, like we were talking earlier, Josh, you know, like you said, you got this guy that probably does this, a doctor, the mm-hmm. scientist, the cop, or guy who does all that. And that's the thing we would figure is, you know, we learn later that this thing wears a contact. So like, was Blair contaminated from the very first time he touched the thing? Even though he's got gloves on, I mean, there's still some. There is a moment where he pokes the the thing with his and pencil. And then touches his face. And then as he's talking, he touches his face with the, with the back of the pencil. That. Yeah. So he could be, you know, that could be the moment. There are people that, well. that claim that that is where he was infected. Uh, I... We're going to get into it as we that go feels on like because a, that feels like a fan theory though, to me, but I don't think I, I don't, it doesn't seem like that was an intentional yeah. thing. I think that was probably just Wilford Brimley. Acting True. Now, does anybody think that Wilford Brimley without a mustache just looks wrong? Yes, it is so wrong. He has to have the mustache. <laughs> uh-huh. 
you could almost, yeah, you could almost not realize yeah. it was Will. Well, that's really only because that's only because we're from the cocoon era, yeah, and we had to go back to see this, and thinking that we would never see Wilford Brimley in a movie before that, and lo and behold, here he is. Did you ever watch? Was it Our House? Is that what it was oh, called? No, on TV? It's maybe. Uh, Some, yeah, his house. T- that that TV show. Tell uh, me, Jason. Uh, uh, Our House. That's right. And he was on the, and he, I think it's called Our <laughs> House. And he was on the Waltons. So, if and Walker Texas Ranger, man, I used to see him on that all the time too. <laughs> but I remember. But you talking about the main movie you're remembering from is Cocoon. Yeah. Yeah. Especially sure. from that time of, of our of our childhood. So, but then we go and they they're telling Clark, go put the damn dog up, dude, because I guess the dog is freaking everybody out. You know, because well, I'm walking around and things going on. It's like, go put the dog with the other dogs. I don't think it's that they were that it was freaking them out. I think it was just there's a dog walking around the compound. There's usually not a dog walking around. Yeah. And I think again, one of the like, guys trips over the dog and he says, Hey, put the dog up. Yeah. And I feel so bad watching this scene because you it's know terrible. all these dogs get. I mean, all of them don't. I, I originally thought that all the dogs got I think two of them get out. Yeah, two I of think. them escape before any real harm comes to them, but we find out later that they do meet their fate. And, uh, but this is really where shit goes crazy. And I, well, we should talk about this effect because just the, this, the, the tendrils that come out. What are those? I mean, Um, they look, well, also just like the splitting, like when everything's split. When that dog's like head the, splits head open head in four head different head ways, head. like a flower almost. Yeah. And you can see the, the Again, skull like, of the dog underneath it. You're like. Yeah, the, 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 the way this thing splits open and just has like, oh, now it's a mouth. You know, you got a, you got a mouth coming out of a chest. You got a, a head splitting into a mouth. Like none of it makes any sense. It's all asymmetrical. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's all like weird like abstract th- ideas that don't there's no there's no consistency to it it's just completely bizarre just, every time you don't know what you're gonna I just get. Wanna know how much lsd they took when they designed these creatures <laughs> they had to be it, on it is trippy cool. and dude those those like flipping tendrils yeah, the- i love that yeah. look when they yeah they're just flapping around it just looks so unnatural mm-hmm. So so like unearthly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I mean, it's squirting. And you get those again yeah. in in um you get something like that again in in the mouth of madness. Uh that, that's a, well. that's another one I've remember. only seen a couple of times, but I love it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I mean there there's some like little tendrils that come out of kind of like a weird monster in a right. moment uh in that movie, but but this thing is so creepy. This thing starts to grow in size instantly and engulfs some of these dogs. I like that you you bring up the the flippity floppity whatever they tendrils. are the tendrils, yeah. but you also see the ones that kind of like reach out and grab and wrap around the dog and dogs. bring it towards. Yep. Uh, it also spits something yeah, on one of the that's dogs. What, mm-hmm. That's what I was talking about. It's just like squirting the stuff oh, all over, yeah. it. and then you kind of see the dog later, and it's like dissolving the dog. Yeah. And, it, and he pulls it, and it pulls it into it to assimilate it. I feel bad for that dog when they spray it with that. Yeah. Glue. Yeah. He's like, oh no! Or, I feel a little bad for him. He's biting at the chewing cage, through the chewing fence. through the yes. wire, like, oh, it's so awful to watch. And Clark is there, like, and they he yeah, can't they, do anything, they and have, they're his dogs. They, like, they have it has the one that's all like that that it's taking, and they mm-hmm. I think McCready shoots it, 
And even then, like, he's just freaking out because these are his dogs, and I, I would be right there with him. Yeah, yeah. McCree just shot my yeah. dog, man. Yeah, but, yeah. The, I mean, you know the dog's pretty much dead at that point. I mean, it's got these things wrapped around it trying to take it in, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it's the dogs. But it, it sucks. But, I mean, even then, like, when the, they, they show up, I get uh, they bring get Childs to bring the uh, flamethrower. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, that thing, like, sticks these hands up into the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to try to go up. And then they grab, and then that's when a child shows up and they burn it down. Well, I think we kind of get a sense of what what this thing has imitated thus far here because I think so, yeah. You, you've got the arms, and then as you look, when Childs comes in to set it up to, to to set it ablaze, you see almost like human eyes. Eyes. And 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 then it opens up and that damn whatever it is comes out and goes for him, and that's when he lights Feed it up. Feed me, Seymour. Yeah. That's <laughs> what it looks well, like. A little shop of horrors coming out of it. Yeah, another thing, you know, you gotta you gotta wonder is the ship that came down, you know, was what I mean, was the creature the thing? Did that in was that like a hijacked yeah. ship from another? You gotta race, think about right? that. They don't really say, but probably, mm. right? It was probably hijacked, you know, in the same way that, you know, uh well it the thing becomes uh becomes Blair and Blair tries to make a ship to fly away. I just wonder, you know, when you see some of this stuff that doesn't look like humans or, you know, like the spider stuff and all that kind of stuff, like, is this, are these, is this DNA that this thing has picked up off planet before it even got here? You know what I mean? Like the, the the alien ship could have been a friendly ship just flying through space. And then this thing, right. uh, Got out of like just like the engineer, yeah. man. Just like the and that's engineer. why it crashed on Earth because the thing it took over, nobody could fly the ship, and then the ship crashed into Antarctica. Well, I, I didn't want to get too into bringing it up because I mean, there's a lot of debate over you know this movie, but and a lot of people were upset that they even made this. It, it was labeled as a remake, but it's really just the prequel to this, which is the 2011 thing. Mm-hmm. Has has everybody seen it? I have. Yes. The prequel is good. I, I the like only the thing prequel. I hold against the prequel is all the CGI, CGI. effects. I hate the CGI well, yeah. effects, but it the way that prequel runs basically right into this movie, they did a great job. Yeah, I mean, it, like, it gives you a lot of the background of some things that you're questioning in this movie. It kind of does what I was hoping Prometheus was going to do for the Alien franchise. Whereas they set up the engineer and the ship, and I thought by the end of Prometheus, we would have where we pick up in Alien. They actually do that in the remake or the the reboot of this in 2011. And I like that they took the time and really told the story of what happened in that. And they even so much as show you those scenes as McCready and the doctor going through that base. You see everything that happens in that movie as they walk through it. Yeah, and it and it ends with them chasing the dog yeah. off. It, it ends right into the beginning of this. I want to point out I, the 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 or the the pilot of the ship in Alien is known as the space jockey. Yeah, that's what I yeah. can't think it. of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They ended up being the engineer later. Yep. Um, later, but um, but yeah, there's definitely some comparisons to be made with those two films, and they're both so good and. I, you know, it's it's so funny to put two really high concept sci-fi movies next to each other, and they're just 
if you had to make me pick, I don't I don't know what I would do. Yeah. It, it's really they hard. both have. I mean, this one definitely holds the gore factor compared to Alien, in my opinion. And like we were talking about earlier, the Alien in Alien is a lot more refined, where this is a lot more ambigu- ambiguous. And right, I mean, they're 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 not trying to do the same right. thing. They're doing two different things, but they just do it so well. Yeah. But there there are enough parallels where they're just constantly being compared to yeah. each other. And we also they <coughs> come out in you know pretty close proximity to each other. And Jason brought up earlier the the autopsy that Blair does on what they bring back from the Norwegian site, and he he go, goes through and he he finds normal human organs and stuff in there. So they're completely baffled by what this is. Now that this has happened, we get our autopsy of of the dogs. And I want to play the clip of Wilford Brimley kind of explaining what he finds here. You see, what we're talking about here is an organism that imitates other life forms and it imitates them perfectly. It's the pencil. <laughs> when this thing attacked our dogs, it tried to digest them, absorb them. There he goes. He touched his mouth. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Don't touch your face. Come on, buddy. That's not dog. <laughs> imitation we got to it before it had time to finish finish what finish imitating these dogs dun 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 look that, i love that oh shot oh my god that that bone structure or whatever it is <laughs> can it imitate multiple dogs like can multiple it can imitate multiple yeah, yeah i mean we see it in in the movie be split into multiple, yeah. like when the guy's head comes off. So, you know, you're, you're not necessarily dealing with just one thing here. You could have multiple. They don't really right. address that yeah. in the film, but you, you see it, you know, same with the blood, you take the blood out. He talks yeah. about that. That's he right. says, you know, you take the blood out and now the blood tries to survive. So this thing could be, I mean, every drop of blood that the thing drips. Yeah. Be, be another Another monster? I guess. Well, I mean, they, they kind of get into that yeah, later he does with the, the math. With the blood test. With the blood test, yeah. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Blair yeah. does the math with his computer. I don't know how his computer can do this, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's not how yeah. computers work, but don't but worry about it's it. It's a pretty terrible simulation. <laughs> it would be, um, it says 27,000 hours. Uh, 3.08 years. Yeah, three years about to take over the world. That's crazy. I, I'm like, yeah. Let me just open my. How quickly does this take to open the world uh, program <laughs> on my 1982 <laughs> computer? That'll do a simulation of. Uh, yeah, that's okay. Fine, fine. I'll, I'll admit that's. But that's even on that computer, it says that they figured that uh, probably 75 percent of the crew at the place is probably already infected. Yeah, that is interesting. I was, Although I don't think that was accurate. Right, I don't think it was either. Uh, it was at, ac- at that, that point, point. But that's it was probably more like thirty percent or something. But you know, it, again, I when I watched that, I was thinking of of Mother on Alien. Yeah, and from Alien. Well, you it also I mean? brought me um, back to uh, Ex Machina, which is a more recent movie. But it kind of has this. I mean, it, it's not someone taking over the world, but it's it's AI getting loose in in the world like it has that same kind of feel to me i i love ex machina that's a great great modern horror movie if you ask me mm-hmm. or thriller whatever you want to call it uh now here's where i start to get a little fuzzy on everything because 
Blair knows what's going on at this point. He's understanding that this thing's replicating. He he asked Clark how long he was with the dog. How long was the dog loose in the compound? Yeah. Blair is aware. Blair knows that this is going to be something that can be bad. And then he goes through his simulation thing. And even Child's, you know, I like Child's comment on it. He's like, "Do you believe this voodoo bullshit, Blair?" <laughs> <laughs> which is which is funny coming from uh, Keith David, who's the voodoo guy yeah. from Yeah, <laughs> uh, Princess yep, and the yeah. Frog. <laughs> Doctor Facilier. Hey, thank you, Jenny. I knew you'd. Have I liked him, him better as Spawn in the animated series. Oh. But this is where like. Blair is so concerned about this thing getting out. It makes me really wonder when it assimilated Blair. Yeah, it's it's hard to say exactly. Which leads when. me to believe um, the pencil thing has some weight to it because it could have taken time for that to evolve. So it didn't fully. Yeah, absorb I mean, he him. does kind of yeah. like lose his his mind. It's hard to say because you know people do lose it mm-hmm. out there in in these you know in isolation and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I mean, you know, he. Before he turns, at least, he sabotages the helicopter. He tries to stop them from being able to leave because he clearly doesn't think, you know, he destroys the radios and things like that. He's trying to stop the spread. But then he just kind of comes completely unglued. Do you think that when he's doing that, that he is already the imitation? That is the question. Yeah. Like, has he been assimilated already? Because. We find out later. I don't want to get too far into it because I want to talk about it when it happens, but he's been busy after we find out he's been assimilated. Very busy. This is like Eric was saying. This movie is <laughs> is dense because you don't really know where these points happen in this timeline. Yeah. So when Blair is having his... That's what makes this movie so rewatchable for me Yeah. is that there are enough question marks that I can watch it 20th time and still be like, huh... What about this? Like, I you can really, you know, kind of play with it and go, well, what if this person got it first? And there's enough ambiguity there that, yeah, it makes it rewatchable for me. Yeah. Well, before uh, the, you know, we're sitting to talk about that stuff. So I want to talk about that, the scene with, was it Bennings and Windows? The redheaded guy is kind of bald. Mm-hmm. They're putting them, remember, they're making McCready leave his little place where he keeps his storage storage stuff yeah and they're putting the stuff in there we actually get to see the first time when it starts to actually assimilate a person yeah because he because they really put it there because they think it's dead because i mean blair hasn't told them yet and then you start seeing as windows leaves the room you start seeing it the gooey stuff falling while bennings is looking up on the shelf Mm-hmm. And then when Windows comes back in the room, you see the blood on the floor, and then he looks over there and hears at the end of the thing, and you see Benny's all here, and he's all gooey, and the the mm-hmm. uh, things are all over him, and it's like it's pulling him into it's. It's like that first time you actually get to see it do it to a person is kind of disturbing. Yeah. I mean, and it's interesting because that that there shows that sequence there shows that it, they were right that it does tear your clothes, yeah, mm-hmm. because it's. He's he's shirtless in that thing, but when he runs outside and they catch him, he's yeah. got clothes. Well, on. he's got a parka on. I, I was actually looking at that because I can't tell if he's got anything on under the parka. But he never he didn't have a chance to put a parka on. He ran out the window and they chased him immediately. Well, by the time they get into the storeroom and he's not there anymore, so he had a chance to at least get out and he could have grabbed a coat on his way out the door. I guess, but I... I, I so think, now I'm the one explaining they, things. Eric's flipped, flipped his <laughs> role on us. No, no, no. No, you're... you're. I, that's not a problem I have. I, he, 
they say it tears your clothes off and then it simulates yeah. the clothes which again is going to kind of come back later in, a, in, in at the end but i think he's even creepier when he's sitting there in the snow and he's got yeah. those well that Dude, sound that, that he makes. that's what i have in it my note i have that in my notes the sound that it makes every time it gets caught or anything yep. you're like it's like just this guttural roar yeah. out of this kind of nerdy guy <laughs> you know with a cul-de-sac and haircut. it's quite convenient that um, they corner him right there near the gas cans so they're able to just knock those over quite conveniently and light him up on fire <laughs> There's plenty of flammable and explosive yeah. stuff. Well, yeah, I know, think. Uh, they, go ahead, Jenny. They literally have multiple flamethrowers. Yeah. The the characters in this movie are smart. They don't hesitate around this thing. Like no, no. the second that they see that he's you know got whatever these hands are. Yeah, these hands are all. They're gone. like, all right. Light them up. Yeah. I mean, they don't even like, say, wait a minute. What if, you know, there's none of it's that. Yeah. yeah. Like um, in some other movies, you would have all this emotional back and forth about, can we kill this person? Is this a person? Is this an alien? What do we do? And it's like, nope, you got to go. Out. Yeah. And, and it's worth noting that at this point, we're halfway through the film and a ton of shit has yeah. happened. Yeah, for sure. Like, so much has happened in the first half of this movie. It's so crazy. much has happened and we still don't know much, right. which is the, I mean, yeah, you're still really yeah. confused, but all this stuff has happened and it's just set up this wonderful mystery of like, Oh shit. Like what's mm-hmm. going on. And you know, the, the I want to point out, cause we're getting very, the characters of course are getting very paranoid right now. And paranoia is yeah. a big part. Everybody's of a suspect, obviously. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, you don't know, you don't know who it, the thing is and uh, but the 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 thing from another world in 1951 was kind of dealing with like anti-communist paranoia back in that era right and then um it's interesting watching this now and because i think there's a lot of paranoia politically in our world Mm -hmm. right now and what are you talking about it's it's peaceful also not just politically but also you know with the yeah. pandemic yep. like being like the fear of being infected you know the 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 fear of you know not being able to trust your friends uh, you know when you're near them like just being you know not that you don't trust your friends but you know you're just this fear of infection is it gives you when i'm at the store i'm like I'm trying to like stay yep. away yeah. from people like dodge folks mm-hmm. you know and watching this kind of yeah. just kind of tapped mm-hmm. into that you know you just sort of feel you can't that. lick just any door handle you have to have a <laughs> you can't lick door handles anymore jason <laughs> we've talked about this i got you a door handle to lick at home <laughs> like so we're talking about how so much has happened in this movie yet you don't know a lot and I think that's where this movie is so smart is it gives you and the characters the information at the same time. So you oh. know what they know. You don't know anything else. There's no like little sneaky looks anywhere. You're pretty much just them experiencing it. That's right. Yes. And when even when you're your own main character, when McCready, who, you know, is basically the main character mm-hmm. of this film, he disappears yeah. for yeah. a portion of time you start to mm-hmm. question him it's pretty wild it's this movie establishes such a, a tone and a it's so bleak and man i you know thinking of alien is, is i think tonally they're very similar well again small group of people isolated location yeah right 
and and you know an infection that's mm-hmm. spreading Pretty essentially much. but yeah they're, they're very similar in that regard but just the 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 mood and the tone and i mean there's 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 parts of this movie where there's no score yeah mm-hmm. and it's just really quiet and well there's there's not even there's so not even har- hardly a moment to breathe little less like a sigh of like a a, a a grasp of laughter in this movie. You get a couple little chuckles right. here and there, but they don't even let you take that time to relax. Yeah, not like in Alien where you get like, oh, we're all, you know, waking up, we're like eating mm-hmm. and, you know, like all this stuff. It's just. That's true. We're thrown right into in this. We're thrown into this mm-hmm. event mm-hmm. immediately. Now, you get a few little lines in there. Light was his name. Nalls. Who done threw their dirty drawers in the trash can in the kitchen? <laughs> I like to keep my kitchen hey, clean. Speaking of Nalls, yeah, the man is smart for bringing roller skates. Man, I would be bopping around oh, that yeah. thing in roller skates. What an idea! I love that. Like you're you're in the middle of the snow. You're stuck in this building all the time. Man, they don't really establish what Palmer does. What a great idea. Too much, but he does smoke a lot of smoke weed. a lot of weed. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a lot of weed. Like there's that part yeah. where they're watching the old no, video, he's... and he's like got one rolled, and him and Childs are in there smoking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I let. Is he a pilot as well? Because he, I think he might be a pilot. Because he says if McCready won't do it, I'll do it or something like that. Well, who would yeah, want yeah, him yeah. flying around as much pot as he's smoking? Well, I think that's why they reject uh, his <laughs> offer. <laughs> I don't know. McCready's been drinking pretty heavily throughout the film. <laughs> he just seems like he can handle it better. This movie was sponsored by <laughs> J&B, Schmirnoff, and Chevron. Yeah. Because <laughs> of all the kerosene and oil through this yeah. whole thing. <laughs> well, let's talk some almost famous people. Almost famous. I know that, dude. I don't know them. I know her. You, haven't you ever heard of that guy with... with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year. All right, so almost famous. not a very big cast here. Um, my pick for this is definitely Keith David. I think Keith David's too famous to be almost famous, but maybe I just know Keith David too well. He is great in this movie. Yeah, though. he is. I just want to say, like, he's awesome. I love Childs in this movie. I like that he's always he there to combat McCready in some way. Which I don't know if yeah. he really has a good reason to 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 do that, other than just like nobody trusts anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't really they don't really say. I mean, you just have to assume they don't get mm-hmm. along. I don't know. But, I, uh, I, my almost famous. I was gonna go with Nalls, T.K. Carter, because yeah. that guy had all these. He dude, he was in Punky Brewster like every episode when I was a kid. <gasps> dude, uh, he was in. Uh, Dr. Detroit with Dan Aykroyd. He, uh, he was always that guy. He was even in Ski Patrol. He was like that guy in the 80s. He was always, you know, the token black guy, I guess you'd call it, in the 80s movies, comedies. He was always there. So, yeah, he was in a lot yeah, of stuff. I mean, I remember yeah. him. I mean, just always doing that. But I, I would go with him or, like you said, Keith David. They're kind of, But I think Keith David's actually been in more stuff that he's known for. Keith David's been in a lot of things. And I think, I mean, he was in he was in The Nice Guys just recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Yep. Does a lot of voiceover. A lot of voiceover work, yeah. Uh, something about Mary. How did you get the beans about the Frank? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Richard Mason. I have him written down as well. Yes. Yeah, Clark, yeah. License to Drive. That's mine. Yep. Yeah, he's been, he, I mean, he's been in a ton of movies, ton of television. Mr. Boogity. Uh, Got to be yep. his most famous role. <laughs> 
My Girl, Risky Business. My Girl uh, 2. Like you said, License Encino Man. <laughs> Orange is New Black. I mean, he's Mr. Robot. Uh, you know, he's in more recent stuff too, but, you know, never really became a household name. Yeah. So I, when I, when I see him, my first, first thing that I go to is License to Drive, the dad and that. It's mm-hmm. great. And, and then My Girl. Um, my Girl was, yeah. he plays, I think, the uncle in that or something. We need to talk about License to Drive soon. Oh, I thought you were saying My Girl. But I, I can't handle that. That movie's yeah. scarred. Can we, can we take a break from Corey movies for at least two months? <sighs> I guess. <laughs> we haven't talked to Corey movie in a while. Only because I wasn't here for the last three episodes. But before that, it seemed everything was a Corey movie for a while. I mean, no, we did Gremlins. Corey was in that. <laughs> well, that was three movies ago, buddy. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Get with the program. Stop getting COVID. <laughs> Damn door handles. <laughs> I, I also wrote down Wilford Brimley, but I think everybody knows yeah, who Wilford Brimley is. Too dude, famous. dude too how many, famous, how many memes famous. are still out there? Diabetes. There were a couple other people in this that have been in things, but I, I really didn't, didn't write their names down. Yeah. Uh, I would say my next one would be Donald Moffat. Moffat. Yeah. Gary, Gary. The, the, old, the, the older guy with the gun. Yeah. He's yeah. been in a few things. Yeah. 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 Eyebrows. He, he was in things. Eyebrows. Yes. Eyebrows. Yes. He was in yes. Popeye. <laughs> uh, Popeye, clear and present danger, the right stuff. Did anybody wonder why Windows' name was Windows? I think it's the glasses. Really? I don't know. That just doesn't make a whole lot of sense Ooh, to me. That makes sense, Jason. I was thinking it was because he's like the communications guy. But, he's not very good at that. Yeah, but you think about it. They're in they're in Antarctica. No. He's in the building, and he's always wearing sunglasses. Yeah, I guess. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I I'm going with that. I like it. All right. So, what did we agree on? To not agree on Almost Famous. Well, I mean, <laughs> Keith David has been in quite a bit of stuff. I think if anybody saw his face, they'd be like, they, they probably don't know his name, but they know they've seen him in yeah. a lot of things. I think Richard Mazur would probably be more of our. More of what we gun towards during Almost Famous. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and I think uh, the guy who plays Nalls might be a little too lesser known. Like, a lot of the stuff that he would have been in would have been very niche and would have been eighties and early nineties, and yeah. then he kind of disappeared. Because I do remember seeing him in things, but uh, n- not much after eighties. 80s movies and stuff. But did y'all remember him from Punky Brewster? Did y'all watch Punky Brewster? I watched Punky Brewster all the time. When you said that, I remembered him. You remember him immediately because mm-hmm. I, I, I told it. That's where I remember him from all the time. That and I love the movie Ski Patrol and he was in it too. <laughs> so nice uh, 80s B comedy. So, okay. And moving on. Well, we left off that they have figured out that Bennings had been assimilated they burnt him up and they decide okay we've got to burn burn it every, all we've got to burn everything there's there's no way we're going to risk anything else we're burning everything up and i i think it's very clever how they take the 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 tractor and they make this little enclosed area to burn everything little, up in i think burn that's really pit. smart then they roll over it yeah. <laughs> it's great it's like you said earlier i mean these they're, guys aren't stupid yeah, they're, they're smart doing it right and and we'll get we'll touch more on that towards the end because I think they make a pretty pretty brash decision at the end of this. So it, and I think it's it's pretty a pretty good decision too. Uh, this is where Blair goes. Beep. This is where yeah, McCready sees somebody in the helicopter run off, and we find out Blair has been trashing everything, and he's completely lost it. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, 
uh, one of one of the one of the things he says during all of this is that thing didn't want to be a dog; it wanted to be us. So he's he's really caught on to the fact that this thing is dangerous. It could be a threat to the world, and he's gonna do whatever he has to do to prevent it from getting out. So how many sh- Blair take Blair makes a is is an important part yeah. of the, figuring out what this yeah. thing is. You know, without his contribution, they likely would have not survived. Or well, but in, <laughs> well, but they don't really survive anyway. But yeah, I think you know he he really is the one who sort of figured it out, and then unfortunately wasn't able to does survive, he but. act you know crazy and shoot at everybody because he's already assimilated and wants to be left alone to make a spaceship or <laughs> i don't know dun, dun, dun. it's possible it's a great theory that's the best thing about yeah, this movie no is idea. that you can make theory there are lots of theories i don't think there is a wrong theory well, I really don't. You're right. I, I think this movie leaves everything so open-ended that all of this could be right. Mm-hmm. Yes. The thing that strikes me about this thing is if it is Blair, he's very passionate about what he's doing. And even though if he is assimilated at this time, and we're also going to talk about Palmer when that happened, when, when Palmer's time comes, if they are assimilated, they're still invoking emotion, human emotion, and acting like, and they even have memories, or or, or, or like, I'm going to jump ahead to... Yeah, no, if they're not like they were just born, yeah. they can act enough like they're themselves. Because yeah, you think about, the everything. alien assimilates their brain and everything, and it probably takes along with it, like, stored memory or anything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So they can continue. I mean, that's that's how it works. It can, but this movie, this movie makes you so paranoid that you'll, you'll even start to question, you know, you, you start to question everything. You're so paranoid. You're like, well, you know, did he do this all in a long con to trick, you know what I mean? Or, you know, there's people who think McCready is, is the thing and, and everything he mm-hmm. does is, is some long yeah. confusing con to get exactly what he wants. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you you start you as a viewer start questioning everybody, even people that are, you know, I, safe. I think it's very smart the way they play this fight between Blair and everyone else because Blair is losing his mind. He's just firing off rounds at everybody left and right. It's great how Wilbur Brimley empties the gun out and just then just throws it at Childs. <laughs> yeah, and. I love it. Yeah, the revolver with 25 shots in it. Yeah, he doesn't unload that. (laughs) He unloads it, but Jesus, he he never reloads it. And I like that it's a very realistic sort of tussle between all these people. And McCready, even though he's been drinking this whole time and, and... Seems, but he still has a good head on his shoulders. He sends the guy to go to go to the rec room to grab a table. They bring the table in to block whatever you know counter counteract whatever Blair's going to throw at them. I really like the way they play this this fight scene out between them and how they have to take Blair down. Uh, yeah, and I remember you know the first time we see McCready, he's playing chess on his mm-hmm. computer with a cheating mm-hmm. bitch. He is a he is a thinker, <laughs> cheating bitch. I always um, had a problem with that watching this because. If that was the only computer and the only entertainment you had there, why would you why would you dump your drink in the hard drive? <laughs> hey, it is extremely yeah. I aggressive. do have a little point about you know the computer that was talking to him. Mm-hmm. That is the voice of Adrian Barbeau. 
John Carpenter's oh, wife at the time. Oh, oh and, yeah, that's a fun. Yeah. One. And John Carpenter was part of. He was in the movie as part of the Norwegian crew that, that was on the video. Mm-hmm. He's one oh, of the guys oh, in the Norwegian cool. crew. Yep, I was like, that's pretty cool. Uh, I like that Blair says watch Clark, and we later find out that Clark was was yeah. not assimilated. Yeah. So. You know, you know, I well, you don't know. You can't say for sure if if Blair was the. I mean, it makes sense I, to I, to worry about Clark because he's the dog guy, but it's hard to say was was Blair changed at that point or not. You don't really know. Yeah, this thing. We'll get to the blood test scene because I want to talk about. There's going to be a little bit of talk about the blood test scene, uh, and how I feel about some of that. They decide they're going to lock Blair up, and for good reason. He's just gone nuts. Yeah, and. This is where they decide that they got to have some sort of a test that they can do on people. Again, we don't know much much about this research facility, but they have they have bags of blood on hand, and I think that's apparently for their purposes. blood. Yes. Well, yeah. Yeah, I think that's just if they are injured, yeah. they, you can give you your own blood. blood. It's kind of like you go to if you do a major yeah. surgery, they actually take your blood so they can give it back to you. Mm, okay. So, so right. you don't have to go donate and stuff like that. So, I guess it's their medical blood bank for you know, like you know, because accidents happen. There's machinery around. Something mm-hmm. gets a hand, finger, yeah. and chopped in the off. middle of nowhere for yeah. however long. Now, and the 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 blood bank has been sabotaged. Yeah, blood everywhere, and there are three suspects. And this is where the paranoia really sinks really. in because there's mm-hmm. only two to three people who could have had access to the key. Nobody wants to fess up to the fact that they had it or didn't have it. I did find out what happened with the key. I don't know who did the blood, but yeah, me too. Um, Windows has the key, and yep. when he finds uh, the guy who Bennings. Bennings, you can audibly hear him drop something. He drops the keys to the to the the lab. So who does it? We don't know, but we know Windows dropped the keys, and someone from there got them and, and destroyed the blood. Hmm. What a wonderful thing that there's only an audio cue. You don't see the keys hit the ground. You just hear it. You just they, hear them hit the they, ground. They have it. Yeah. It's there if you're looking for it. What a awesome. Yeah. Thing. But because of the all the whole thing, and they're narrow, that's when they start dividing people up. They take was it uh the doctor copper. Uh, Gary and Clark. Copper, Gary, and and and, and, uh, and Palmer are all tied mm-hmm. together. Well, you've also well, that's, got that's, no that that's later. Whenever they're actually doing the thing, I was talking like the original one when the whole blood bank thing's going on is when they start. This is when they really want to start because you know Gary was supposed to have the key. The doctor was the only other person, and the whole Clark right. thing that Blair told McCready. He said, "Okay, you three over here, and the rest of you over here," and then well, no. Move it, on. It lends to why Windows freaks out when they find out all of this, and Windows runs off and goes and gets a gun. Mm. I mean, he you can right. you can chalk that up to his paranoia, but I think in that moment well, he's worried they're going to turn. I think on in him. that moment he realized he was the last one with the keys, and he doesn't remember what he did with them. He dropped them. Like I think he is at a point where he's thinking, "Holy shit, they're going to find out I was the last one with these keys. I've got to do something." Mm-hmm. This is also where I found it kind of weird because if Blair was assimilated or wasn't assimilated at this point, why didn't he destroy or take take the guns and hide them somewhere? He's got his little pistol that he shoots at people with, but he knows there's guns in the compound. Why wouldn't yeah. he have done something with those? Yep. 
I don't think that Blair is assimilated. It seems form. like a human think, dis, like decision and something he completely forgot about. Yeah, I mean, I can't support everything, I think, with, you know, facts, but I feel like uh, he gets turned when he's in the shit. Yeah, the slow thing, because like you said, just that microscopic bit takes time, you know, like to get into the body and take over. And it shows how in dire situation they're in because Blair is the scientist there. If anybody's going to be able to help them figure out what's going on, it's him and he's just lost his fucking mind. Mm -hmm. And even the guy Fuchs says, he he comes to McCready, he says, I need Blair because I don't know how we're going to get through this without him. But it's, it's, it's like you said, they're smart. They, they 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 lock him in the tool shed. I like that McCready. They're like, why don't we put him in your space, McCready? He's like, I don't want him in my shack. We're gonna put him in the tool shed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's like, and then we go from Blair because I guess Blair, but the the Fuchs guy or Fuchs, however, mm-hmm. I mean, some like, guy. Every time I see it, Rita, it looks like it says fucks. But uh, <laughs> they go to him next. Fuck. I guess he was he's kind of another smart because they're relying on him to come up with the blood test now. Now that the whole blood bank's been destroyed. And everything, and then that's when the power goes out, and then you see like him get up in this ominous shadow go down the hallway real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, okay, now who the hell? Because McCready and him, I think, just went outside. Now the so, only person it, they're inside. The of only that person that has to be it, Blair it has to be or Blair. Thing Blair. Yeah, yeah it, it has to be yeah. Blair assimilated. Yeah, it has to be Thing Blair, and then. You have to assume Thing Blair kills Fuchs out mm-hmm. there and and plants McCready's jacket, which is never explained. And they kind of forget about the McCready's mm-hmm. jacket torn up or shirt or whatever. But that's that's the biggest thing in the movie where you're just like really starting to question McCready. Because mm-hmm. like, how did that jacket, like, why would anybody? But it just, it had to be planted by Thing well, Blair. But that's the thing. But when that happens, they're, the, no, the well, thing. they go out there. When all that, when the power goes out and they are out outside already because they go out to the shed to talk to Blair and he's got that noose hanging mm-hmm. and they're asking him questions. This all happens right, right next to each other. Mm-hmm. So that's why I said, I don't think yeah. that was Blair inside that went down the hallway because this all takes I, place like. Right well, there. yeah, but we find out that Blair's dug yeah. tunnels yeah, under the shed. Long? He can move yeah. around. Yeah, because Fuchs goes outside to go see what the hell's going on. And then we don't see him anymore. He's and just burnt when, up next time. We and then, see and him. then when they go back out there, yeah, he's his body has been burned. It's like, did he, did he kill himself? That's what the, the it never really tells you how he died. They think it. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's they think that he Blair thing that kills him. And well, at, just because of process of, of elimination, it has to be Blair because everyone else is accounted for. At, at that point, point and, Blair has to have assimilated because he's putting together this ship by this time. Yeah. And yeah, and McCready drops a line that says like it's been 48 hours or something yeah. like that around that point when they're sitting around. Mm-hmm. So um when he's doing that recording, I think he says it. But um so yeah, you have to go you have to think okay, this it, it all happens very quickly in the movie, but if you say there's been 2 days of them in the in the storm, yeah. they're yeah. you know, stuck down in well, the storm. I I, I want to get uh, to a clip here because we're right here in this area and I think this is one of the best parts of the movie. 
Um, I, I didn't have a lot of clips to pull for this because this movie is mainly a visual movie. I mean, you're getting a lot from the visuals of it, but this monologue that, that Kurt Russell gives here, I think is great. I know I'm human. And if you were all these things, then you'd just attack me right now. So some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to. But it's vulnerable out in the open. If it takes us over, then it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's won. There's a storm hitting us in six hours. We're gonna find out who's who. All right, Doc, Gary, and Clark, move over there away from the others. So this is where he really starts to separate everybody up. Uh, Depending on what situations have unfolded thus far. Yeah. Who he's seen with certain people. And again, he's having to alienate the people that really could be beneficial to him. The doctor... Right, the the only yeah. doctor, yeah. And, and he even says that. He's like, you don't want to put me away, Mac. I'm the doctor. I'm going to be the one that's going to help you here. Well, that's what the thing would say, Doc. One, one thing that I found strange about this movie is the doctor has a nose ring, okay? That's not strange in our nowadays, but this guy does not seem like the nose ring kind <laughs> of guy to me. And I, knowing what we know about the prequel that they made to this. Oh yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. that was probably a, a part of this movie that may have gotten written out and it helped me with figuring something out in the end, which we'll get to as well. But I thought for some reason watching it this time that that was going to come back into play somehow that his nose ring would be gone at some point or something, but it never goes away. Like he I yep. never noticed it. Yeah. Cause in the prequel, they mentioned that it can assimilate non-organic material. Right. That's right. why if you have and, fillings, you don't get them anymore. Right. And Copper wouldn't lose his nose ring because he was never as, turned. Yeah, exactly. as we he found out, turned. he was never turned. So, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know if that was... It is a great little detail, and I think you're right, Josh. I think that that yeah. checks out. It feels yeah. right to me. The storm has rolled in at this point because, I remember, this is when Nalls and McCready are all outside, and we see Norris looking out the window, and he keeps holding his chest like there's something yeah. wrong with Norris, mm-hmm. you know, because like we kept thinking, like we were talking about whose shadow is that, and all of a sudden, you know, this has been how many days now, I guess, or and now he's keeps it's like he keeps holding shit, like there's something wrong, and then Nalls comes back without McCready, like he lost him, he cut him loose, is what he says, because something was off. So he he said, "Dude, I cut McCready loose, I ran back in." They're all inside, and that's when you get that nice shot of the movie. This it's in the trailer, that creepy shot of them sitting there, and you start seeing that doorknob turn in the back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm behind yep. him and so, like, they're gone another another time jump in the movie because this all happens very yep. quickly but they say that mccready and 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 Nalls were gone for 45 minutes yep. and nobody could survive so it seems like they were just gone for a minute but they, they were gone for a while and you, you're really starting to question mccready at this point you found the thing you know and they all are you know just, like jenny said we're we're just we're learning as as they're learning so when they're suspicious of McCready, so yeah. are we. we. You know, 
right along with them. We're like, well, wait, wait, you know, like this is when the dynamite starts showing up because remember, McCready breaks into the storage windows in there. He's pretty much frozen. His yeah. beard is like ice, and he's holding that big wad of dynamite. You're like, you need y'all come near me, or I'm blowing this place to hell. This is the same thing with the guns. Like, if 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 they knew dynamite was there, why wouldn't Blair, if he had assimilated at this time, or even if he hadn't, why wouldn't he have done something with all of this? Yeah. And then I don't know. I mean, the the thing doesn't necessarily want to destroy everything. It, it wants to escape. Right. So you know, maybe it it wasn't it wasn't interested in destroying everything at first. It ends up sh- shutting. Well, down my point, my point there is that it leaves plenty of weapons there for them to defend themselves yeah. against it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, you brought up Norris having the heart issue and we find out that, you know, this is, this is probably the most infamous scene of this movie. Oh yeah. Dude, uh, the a, defibrillator a, scene. Yeah, Dr. Copper is, you know, Norris has passed out, got him on the table, and he's mm-hmm. doing like major CPR, shirts open, bam, bam, and he starts pulling out the paddles. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you, that, if that you, out. if you notice when they start trying to give Norris mouth to mouth, he actually does have fillings Always. in his teeth. Mm. I noticed that this time. So that kind of debunks Uh-oh. that theory a little bit. Uh-oh. Um, I but, think that was just a, uh, for, I, I think it was the 80s and they, yeah, I think yeah. it was the 80s and they probably weren't even thinking about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean this, I can really only imagine seeing this for the first time. And the fact that there's no way you see no, that coming, no, the, no, the, the, the mouth and the chest, right? I mean, you would never imagine that that would- <laughs> dude, when he pops, cause he popped him the first time, mm-hmm. nothing happened. And then the second time you see him lean up and then when it goes, it's like perfect timing as he leans back in, whoa, yeah. this big jagged freaking rocky teeth rip yeah. his arms off <laughs> and this is hurt. another thing where i have a question because if it has assimilated norris which if if i'm going off what we've seen so far he was the first person assimilated if i'm looking at it through my point of view mm-hmm. and it, first or second for, you know, yeah. one of the first people to be assimilated so he's gone this whole time like the fact that he's having these heart problems or whatever it is that he's having doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It also, well, maybe the thing gets the same heart problem from maybe the guy. Norris did have a problem or something, or maybe the assimilation didn't, maybe didn't assim- it like transfer yeah. to him. Yeah, he maybe. took it. Cause you got to think about it. If you have a disease inside you and something's going to assimilate you, it's going to, has to take all that too, because it's part of your organs. So it's, or it could just be, well, no, I don't know. That's a good, we'll see. That's, that's where you come up with is right. They've (laughs) left this very open to interpretation or whatever you're going to pull from it. My question is, is if it's assimilating, is it art? Is it overtaking your body or is it creating a new, a new piece of material? If we're going upon what we're seeing here with Norris, it has to assimilate and use some sort of the body function that it's assimilating. Yeah, because they never found Nor because then there would be a, a Norris body right. laying around. There's no bodies. Right. There's or no it, body. It like it absorbs, absorbs into, into you. you. Yeah. It yeah. It like melds with you or something. Okay. So yeah. but it, we get more whippy vine effects here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that totally spurt gnarly. of goo hey. that just comes out and all those things start spurting out of it. 
Yep. But when the imagine head detaches. imagine holding a a big old block of dynamite and shooting a flamethrower at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> That's what McCready yeah. does. He's shooting a flamethrower. He's holding this thing that would just blow up the entire building. <laughs> oh, be careful, buddy. Be careful. But whatever the thought they put into how this whole scene plays out is completely genius and really cements that this being is not just one thing. Like it, as we are, we're going to come to find out in the blood scene, uh, every part of this thing will, will be useful in mm-hmm. some way. Yeah. Right. If you cut off its finger, the finger yeah. will grow spider legs. And, and the walk fact away. that this, it, it, you have to destroy you all know, Norris's it. head is pulling itself loose from the body. And that whole, the makeup, everything about Ooh. that thing coming down and sliding off of the table. It's all just, you, Dude, you just even the part where it's stretching the skin and you like the green pustules come through yeah. the skin as it's pulling itself apart. I mean, who thought of that in 1982? This guy did, and it was freaking phenomenal, and it's still great today in 2021. It's yeah. so great. And and you get the stop motion, like we mentioned before. I don't know what you were going to say. It was bad stop motion. Where's the stop motion but here? I think the spider legs are a little... Stop motion. Nothing, nothing, nothing growing. Nothing about this scene bothers yeah. me. <laughs> the, the the stop motion I feel is bad is at the end of the movie. The end of the movie is where I yeah, feel the yeah, stop motion yeah. is a little subpar. But yeah. see, I don't mind the stop motion. It's very brief. It just fits with the it fits with the unearthly yeah. movement. Mm-hmm. It feels strange, so it all kind of works for me. Just in that, they context. don't rely on a lot of it. Yeah. That's that's what's good. Yeah. I really think the spider thing is practical effects because when the, you see how when it the comes legs, out. Yeah, when the legs come up out come of out. it, I feel like that was either something that they built that did that, or they shot that in reverse. In, in reverse, because I know the tongue thing when the head's on the yeah, ground and the te- the tendril comes out. I think that, that was shot in reverse. Yeah, the other way. You but, can tell uh, that that was a reverse shot. Yeah, and but when that thing, the leg, you can hear the legs coming out like that. <laughs> You're just like, oh my god! You're as a kid. I mean, like I said, I was a, a younger teenager watching this, and you're like, oh my god, that's that's disturbing. <laughs> and then the eyes yeah. come out. Mm-hmm. Well, this part also cements something that we've been talking about a little bit because from we know that Palmer has assimilated at this point, the the, the pot smoking guy. And in that scene, when the spider comes out he looks over just like McCready and everybody else. And he goes, are you fucking kidding me? He seems <laughs> one of the best lines he, in the movie. He yeah. seems surprised, genuinely surprised by what he's looking at. But at this point he is assimilated. So it is, it is doing a good job of yeah. imitating and disguising itself. Mm-hmm. So that makes you that, that gives some weight to what we're talking about with Blair. Mm-hmm. Like, right. You know, Jason, did you have something? Well, I was going to say, like, uh, you're talking about that part. I was saying, like, if you go back after you realize Norris is a part of the thing, go back and watch the movie again and look at some of the facial expressions Norris makes. It's almost like he really wasn't human for a while. Like, y'all were talking about that was his shadow. You can kind of see, the like, when he sits there, he kind of reacts like, oh, Mm -hmm. okay, and he walks away. It's like... He was very not there. He's probably the most underdeveloped character in this, and it's probably because he is our patient zero. Yeah. But 
that doesn't lend itself to perfectly imitating somebody. I mean, Charles even says at one point, he says, if, if I was a perfect assimilation, how would you know? Mm-hmm. You know? So a lot of the things that I thought I could poke holes in this movie about, which there's still a few more to come. We're really kind of talking through where it's all plausible and they yep. leave it in a sense to where you really could make a case for anything that's happening here. Yeah. I mean, they don't establish strict rules about everything enough to where you can rule anything right. out. Yeah. Um, how come in movies when they take, whenever they take blood or somebody <laughs> has to give blood or something, they just cut the shit out of the On their hands. <laughs> Always on their hands. Yeah, not only that, it's on my nose too. They don't just go prick. No, it's like, let me grab a buoy knife yeah. and let's you know, shred my hand to share blood. I mean, you, you're going to need 10 stitches after that. You just needed a few drops of blood, oh, bud. God. Carving your I mean, thumb you up. know how sharp, Ouch. I mean, a scalpel is sharp. I mean, it's meant to just shut... And they're just like, and I'm like, dude, you just cut down to the bone on his finger. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they do that in the thing. uh, (laughs) Yes, they do. (laughs) Yes, they do. Yes, they do. In fact, thank you. Thank you. No, they do that in. Yes. Yeah. Right. When they cut them, they do the blood, you know, thing, the blood pact or whatever. And they, they carve the shit out of their hands. Every movie. Yeah. Every movie. It's every movie. It's every. Fuck hands. Yeah, we're just gonna cut Slice the whole. Them up. Matter of fact, just start cutting the whole finger off. My, Here you go. Yeah, I don't need my thumb yeah, for no, the rest of the film. Not at all. Like a thumb is not terribly important to me grabbing things or doing anything. I mean, I would feel a little woozy after the amount of blood. Yeah. Cut your arm or your knee or something. Why your fingertips? The blood scene is is another big one that I do want to talk about, but we we skipped over one thing I want to bring up real quick, and that's after after the defibrillator stuff goes down. They've seen and like, and McCready is still like, I'm going to tie you guys up. We're going to do this test. And this is where Clark is kind of trying to play McCready a little bit. And McCready, you know, Charles is even like, you're not going to tie me up. And he's like, well, I'm gonna have to shoot you. And this is the classic scene you'll see in movies where people have to put their money where their mouth is and can't follow through on it. But when Clark goes for McCready, McCready fucking shoots him. And that's, I mean, he was lunging at him with a, a yeah. scalpel. I mean, you know, they, they give McCready shit like you're a murderer now. But but I, I like I mean, that that ambiguity is there until you get to the blood scene. And then that sparks a whole right. new controversy. You know, uh, Childs right. even says it to him. He's like, oh, so so Clark was a, a human. So you're, that makes you a murderer. Right. It, it, and it, it, it makes a whole lot of good argument for all of this. Well, it also reminds you that in this paranoia, they're they're going to make mistakes. Yeah. You're going to think that not just will you be fooled that the thing is a person, but you'll be you'll confuse people for the thing as well. Now, here is where I want to bring up my big key issue. McCready makes his case for just one cell of this is trying to protect itself; it wants to survive. They go through this blood test and we get to the point where he burns the blood and we find out that Palmer is, is assimilated. Yeah. The, the jumps out of the Petri dish <laughs> in his logic of what they're talking about. Wouldn't them simply cutting his thumb make him react like that? You're attacking the body that he's inhabiting. 
just like you're attacking the blood that you're trying to test. So That's if you cut his finger, fair it's point. like they kind of graze over that. If there's one thing about this movie they glaze over, I think it's that because it's the Here's same. It's answer, the same Josh. sort of scenario. Here's my answer. You have to think of the whole. So at the time when they cut his thumb, that's one small part of the mm-hmm. hole. But once the blood is removed, now the blood is the hole and it's its own thing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's being burned. So he's attacking a greater the- portion of it at that point. I think it, you know, in the same way that the other guys didn't feel threatened when, if you get your thumb cut, you're not as threatened as if somebody takes a giant metal rod, burning rod and jams it into you. Like the blood gets, Mm -hmm. you know, the blood was like threatened. It was more of a threat and maybe the blood is, doesn't have the brain. So it's more of like a, you know, uh, instinctive reaction kind of thing. I I don't know. I'm, I'm reaching, but I I see the, I see the argument there, but I, I mean, I think I have a, a an argument for that. Is I mean, it, it's very, it's very glossed over, and that's the one thing I kind of have an issue about with it. Now, this scene is amazing, and it builds tension like I nobody's loved, business. Oh god, I love just every time he takes that thing and starts. It's like that tension is building. He starts heating up that wire again, and you're just like, who's going to be? Gonna be? And they try to throw you and off so, because when when Windows gives him his blood and kind of walks away. He has that look. He starts looking down. like Yeah, this. like you start to get the feeling that Windows is probably bad news. I do like that every time they, they do the thing, he's got another person standing next to him. Yeah. They, yeah. Okay, you can yeah. come over by me now. You can come over. You're good. You're good. And uh, yeah, but... And it's also great when when uh, Palmer starts to turn oh. and they're all tied. Yeah. yeah. He's shaking what, in the what chair. It's <laughs> just like, get me out of here. Get me out of here. I mean, what a weird thing to be like all tied together. They're all on the couch together. But I, the even hit, but the Palmer change, so the whole intense. change, that whole special effect, like we're going to yeah. keep talking about this till the end of the movie. Just like when his face like melts and it pulls apart. And then the mouth mm-hmm. thing, and he well, grabs yeah, when his windows head splits by the, open and becomes open. a mouth. Yeah. yeah, and it grabs windows by the head. That's my part. You're talking about the stop motion. That shot of when he's got windows <laughs> oh, yeah, the, flopping by the legs. The dummy. Yeah. I'm like, wow, guys. We spent, I think what they spent was like $1.5 million on special effects, where they only started out with a budget of 200000 but we're just going to have some floppy legs in this part. Yeah. And I mean, like, come on, y'all done so great. Yeah, the dummy, the dummy, the doesn't dummy look great, does I not agree. look great, but it's great. But you know what does look great is after they, uh, after they torch it, that firewalk. Oh when yeah, when it busts the through the snow, wall out into the snow. Boom. Yeah, you know, talking about talking about fire effects. You know, we talked about it with Halloween mm-hmm. two. Yeah. This is another great. But it's it's great that McCready walk. And he's still got the big split yeah, yeah. as well. And it's great that McCready, you know, has football skills and is able to to hit him right dead center with that with dynamite. dynamite. Blow him up. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then you, they go inside and you can always the gooey it's like windows is covered in that goo like that dog was. Mm-hmm. And you can hear them making that noise like rah, 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 
mm-hmm. like in the corner and they, they torch his ass on the corner too but i have one thing about the the little comment that y'all you guys are going back and forth about the whole thing when he cut his finger that's one thing but see what is the one thing that the thing has been hurt by through the whole movie fire mm-hmm. and that hot that, Another that hot connection. needle going into that blood has it reaction other than a knife cut because he it it does know fire hurts it it can kill it heat fire bad fire bad beer good that, that is the most solid reasoning <laughs> I've got behind this now is the is the uh, yeah good job so. Jason that's what I was I was like I got something guys let me interject <laughs> <laughs> I am here today but I that, want to argue. But that's the, my thing. Is like yeah. a slice on the finger is nothing compared to it saying, "Oh my God, this thing's killing me with heat and fire. I need to react." Because yeah. I mean, essentially, if you if you stab it, it's not going to die. If you burn it, it's, it's going to die. Yeah. So okay, that 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 clears up that clears hey, up hey, my question. Her. I'm glad I'm here today, Good. guys. Yeah. But you, job, Jason. what Eric just brought up is where we do get the little interject of comedy. Finally, in this movie, is when they do the blood test, and each time one's uh negative they've got a uh, um a flamethrower on and they're standing beside McCready <laughs> for the yeah. next test yeah but that's going to get us into a bigger quote you're going to need a bigger quote do you want a tagline can i do a tagline give us some taglines jason you haven't been here to do them oh actually there was only one that i found for this movie uh, it's the nice, you know, the poster with the parka guy and all that stuff like that but the tagline for the thing was Man is the warmest place to hide. I like that. Yeah, mm. That's a that good is one. the only, and it's a good one. the The other poster said the ultimate in alien terror, mm. uh, which I think maybe playing off alien maybe. a little bit, trying to saying, s- "Hey, you like alien? You'll like to this." Still a little right. bit of stuff from Alien there, but yeah the the quote. Are you talking about Gary's quote? Yep, go for it. Oh, dude, I, I wrote I wrote the whole thing down. <laughs> Let's see. Hold- it is a good one. Somebody knows. All right. Well, Gary gets his test. He's good. And and me, but I love how he says it. He's, he's just like, I know you gentlemen have been through a lot. But when you find the time, I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch. <laughs> but I just love how he starts out. It's just like he's I'm talking to you guys. You guys are great. Now fucking untie me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They they've been giving him he's like the the leader of this base yeah. and they have been giving him nothing but shit this mm-hmm. entire time <laughs> no respect he has a dude, moment but- in this though that i do really like and that's when windows freaks out and goes for the guns he's gonna shoot windows oh, and yeah. they talk him down that's exactly what he- yeah that's what i was gonna say yeah well he and he at that moment he realizes well maybe you would all feel safer if i and he hands over his gun and, yeah. and and you still get your dilemma between McCready and uh, Childs because Childs wants to take over, and that's when McCready says maybe someone a little more mild tempered. <laughs> so what you got for quotes? What you got? Uh, well, I've got one. Uh, I like after uh, what's his name Bennings was shot, and he asked he asked Nalls to turn his music down. <laughs> He says, I'm trying to get some sleep. I was shot today. <laughs> I think it's a fair. And I like it's a fair. I like Nalls. He goes, all right. And he goes over to the boom box and puts his finger by the volume, but doesn't touch it. And it just goes away. <laughs> it's just like my damn kids when I tell them to turn their music down. Okay. Uh, you did not turn that down. Um, I have Got one. You. It's it's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. <laughs> what do you got, Josh? 
I like when Blair's freaking out and he's just, that thing wanted to be us. You know, he's having his freak out moment. I also like Childs. I cannot believe any of this voodoo bullshit. <laughs> Can you believe any of this voodoo bullshit, Blair? I got another one. I got one from Palmer, our weed smoker, when they're sitting there chilling and they're talking about the aliens and stuff. And he says, chariots of the gods, man. They're pr- they practically own South America. <laughs> <laughs> He he is he is our comic relief in this for sure. Even when they're talking about flying out to the spaceship, and he's like, "Uh, "I would do it," but like he's he's he's, subtle though, yeah, very subtle. Oh, and well, there's a quote toward the end of the movie, and I like it because it's quick and subtle. And fuck you too. Good one. Uh, I like, I think it's Fuchs asks to speak with McCready outside, and McCready says, It's 40 below us. <laughs> <laughs> he says that, and that's when he goes, I'd rather, or he goes, uh, I just want to go up to my shack and get drunk. <laughs> like he's just been yeah. drunk the whole time. Uh, After they subdue Blair. Yeah. Um, Blair says, I don't know who to trust. And, and McCready says, I know what you mean. Blair. <laughs> he said, he said if you, and if you're going to trust, Trust in the Lord. <laughs> Maybe you should trust in the Lord. <laughs> <It's> the Lord. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I wrote down the yeah. Fuck you too. That's a yep. good one. Uh, I I love the I love the closing line of the movie. I mean, it, we're skipping ahead to it, but I mean, why don't we just sit here for a while, see what yep. happens? I, I, I like that. Yep. Uh, I know I'm human. I think is a great line because. All his logic is based on that uh, is uh, is based on that fact. He knows yeah. he's human, so from that point on, he can make other assumptions or you know conclusions. But while we're watching it, you don't know if he's human, mm-hmm. so can you trust his logic at all? You can't, and that's the beauty of it. Uh, and then uh, I've got another one. Uh, you got to be fucking kidding! Obviously. Oh, yeah, that was the that was a yeah. good one. <laughs> Oh, uh, gener- generator's gone. Any way we can fix it? Gone. It's gone. <laughs> and the way he says it, too, he's like, it's gone. gone. <laughs> like, it ain't here. It's gone. Anybody got anything else? I think that's it. I think. Uh, uh, oh, well, I, I like maybe we'll just warm things up. Yeah, around that's here. good. It's a good McCready line. They, they've proven, or at least they think they've proven that the blood test works. So they're going to go out and give it to Blair and they leave Childs in the compound to watch over things. And they tell him if, if he tries to come in here without us, torch him. They, they're no bullshit at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, they get out there and this is when they discover that Blair's a rabbit and has been tunneling <laughs> underneath the tool shed. Uh, I have a... That's one thing about the movie that does get me is the sense of time that goes by because when you when you see this, when you see them get out there and find this makeshift spaceship that he's been building, I'm already thinking there's no way he's had time to do all of this. Mm-hmm. But it's been a couple days. Exactly. It's been a couple days and he's mm-hmm. not yeah. human. I mean, you see you see later him going under the in a in a tremors style. Yeah. Effect where he's going under the floor. God damn, you guys just keep pointing out shit that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, he like do you your homework. The movie. Have you seen the he's movie? A, <laughs> he's a graboid, man. He just goes up underground and just digs right through all the snow, no, no. problem. I mean, well, that would be my yeah. question: Is can it shape shift? Like, can it take on the form of Blair and and what it? I think it can, later. I think I think it can go back and forth. Because I don't think I, I think it can. 
we see Palmer once he knows he's been outed. He tra- changes mm-hmm. right yeah. there. Only because he knows he's he can't hide. Because I don't see so I don't I don't see himself. Mr. Diabetes just tunneling through the snow. Now yeah, that big ass creature, I can no, see no, that. It's definitely in a different form when yeah. it's tunneling. It can, yeah, it can turn. At, maybe, at in, maybe in another universe, it stopped a place with like gophers the size of elephants, <laughs> and he just dug through the freaking snow. I don't know exactly what 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 DNA has been gathered planets. from other planets. Yeah. The same planet the graboids come yeah. from. Yeah, something like that but yeah but they go down and we find a little spaceship that he's built which they, it ties into i think it ties actually back into the like underground part of the camp mm-hmm. but because i mean that's how he was getting inside was going through here and then going into the basement area right uh, he's been he's been in and out of the shed yeah. i think i think when you see the the noose i think maybe that noose was was put there by the real blair yeah perhaps thinking you know all is lost mm. and then he ends up getting turned mm. and then it's just it's sitting there unused yeah. i don't yeah. know it's kind of how well, I it's see funny it. because if we look at if we try to pinpoint the moment when blair was infected if it was the pencil that we saw which could or could not be it if it's that little of touch that it had maybe that takes a lot more time as yeah. opposed to like bennings who this it was just all wrapped up in him and, and had him right away. Like right. A, a big portion, like a big, you know, part of the blood that was seeping out of that thing could have made a lot more damage than, well, you know, you think about it like a virus, like what I kind of just went through. It takes time to gestate. Cause you're talking about microscopic particles that just touched his face. Yeah. It goes into your body. It gestates like a virus and slowly takes over organ by organ, but slowly. And that's why maybe it was messing with Blair's mind. But until it takes over the brain, he's still Blair. Yeah. But that could work if the pencil is how he got it. Or, but if it's not how he got it, then, you know, every scenario might be like Bennings. We just don't see it. It's true. Um, You know, they they found the undies in the trash. So, you know, that's probably Palmer um, happened off screen. You know, Bennings is the only one that happened on screen, but, you know, uh, Blair might have happened off screen as well in the shed. So it's hard to say. You, you can't say for sure. But they realize here that, you know, and, and then the power goes out in the in the whole base. So they realize well, they sees Childs run out of the compound. You know, the, the lights have gone out. Yes. And Childs has run out of the compound. And this is where McCready makes his stance. And he's like, we're not we're not leaving here, guys. And. The fact that they bring that up and that these guys have made peace with the fact that they're not going to leave here. Yeah. So we need to do whatever we can to make this thing not able to leave. They're so pragmatic. Yeah. This is 1982 in an Arctic base. You have to know when you go out to that Arctic base, you may not come back. Oh, yeah. These guys are, you know, adventurous dudes in the first place to even be out Mm -hmm. here. Yeah, because, I mean, that's what uh, McCready's saying. You know, like, in six hours, it's going to be 100 below. Yeah. And he's and he says the thing wants to freeze and wait for the rescue team for spring. Because mm-hmm. it knows it, it's not, it can't escape. All of its escape routes have been done. But it knows if it gets frozen, somebody's going to come. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what it's trying to do. So that's why, you know, McCready says, well, screw it. We're going to warm things up a little bit around here. I got, you know, that's 80 right. crates of dynamite. 
<laughs> over here and 5,000 5, road flares and 80 gallons of Chevron kerosene over here. The image of them driving the tractor into the building and really? then taking the axe and bre- breaking the gas, the gas tank, tank open yeah. and yeah. then going room to room and yeah. just throwing dynamite in. It's 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 a great scene and it just it, it, it hammers home just how fucked these guys are, but they're willing to do what they've got to do. Yeah. I, 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 I really love the Looney Tunes detonator that McCready has <laughs> for the dynamite. I no, because there's no, though those are real. I mean, they are. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So Jason, what real. what in this movie did you try? Did you try well, to detonate d- dynamite? Well, and not dynamite, but remember, I was in the Air Force in EOD, and I played with explosives every day. So I have blown up lots of C four. <laughs> and played with dynamite, so I know how that wor- that little plunger works. See, <laughs> so I have done yeah, that plunger, in real man. life, but I was getting paid to do it. Jason was out on the Die Hard episode, and we were wondering how he detonated C four. Jason could have told us how he detonated yeah. the C four in Die Hard. <laughs> do you know that you can actually use C four to cook with? You could put a skillet on it, and the chemical reactions creates heat. Wow. No, we never tried try it. That's what that. no, that's what one of our teachers taught us, and he's also was missing like two pieces of yeah. his, my hand. That's why I, I got into e- that's why he's teaching exactly. <laughs> you start realizing when I was in EOD that you're shaking people's hands and they're missing that part of the figure and this or you know, hand, you know, because I mean some of them it was an accident, some of them it was during wartime, and that sucked. But yeah, it is scary. But yeah, you that, that plunger is actually real. I mean, that's what they used to use back in the day to clear stuff when they were like doing railroad or building tunnels. You know, you set your dynamite out there, you had your line. That's all it was is a detonator just to make a yeah. connection. But uh, yeah, it's very Looney Tunes. I mean, we all grew up watching Wiley Coyote do it to Roadrunner, mm-hmm. like every episode, or Bugs Bunny to Elmer Fudd. So, but yeah, we get another great effect Dude. here when Blair melts his hand yeah. into face. Gary's face. Yes. Yeah, it lingers on it for a good moment. And then it cuts away, and then it cuts back to him dragging him away with his arm, like, right. becoming part, of, part his of, face. of his face. Yeah. And like we're talking about it, he, he sort of, like, melts mm-hmm. into things and, like, absorbs, you know, it's not really, like, like you say, you're not having, like, a dead body, and then there's a new mm-hmm. version of so right. and And him dragging the body there like that is so mm-hmm. creepy, yeah. too. It reminds me of like a slasher movie or like a, you know, right. where, where the killer is yeah. just dragging the body behind them. This movie does not have a traditional third act, in my opinion. Usually in a movie, you're getting your, your first, second, third act. The third act is going to be the big uh, action-packed finale of what's going to happen. All this seems to boil down to one instance down in this basement, and and that's it. It's funny because the whole first two thirds of this movie are so like, that's what I remember the most. I always have a hard time remembering the ending of this movie because, and I think this time what cemented it for me is because it's so fast. Mm. Like I, yeah, there's not some big Epic showdown. It, it does happen pretty quick, but I mean, it does feature some of the biggest effects. Oh yeah. In oh, literally yeah. the biggest, you've got explosions and then you've got that tremor mm-hmm. effect mm-hmm. of the guy coming at him and you get a pretty cool, uh, somersault dive from Kurt mm-hmm. Russell. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, what more do you want? But I agree. I agree. I mean, this movie, when you think this movie, you think more about the, you know, yeah, it's not so much the end. I think the same is kind of true with Alien, for me. 
anyway. little bit, yeah. Uh, the the ending of Alien, you know, she ejects it from the thing, and it's, you know, it's it's suspenseful, it's fun, but that's not what I really think about when I think about how much I love Alien. Yeah. It's yeah. not really that end scene. But. What do you got here, Jason? Well, what was, uh, you know, like, all right, we've seen everybody when the, they die. You see a body, mm-hmm. or they turn into something, everything. The only person you never see is what happens to Nulls. We're he supposed to assume that we're supposed to yeah. assume that it just engulfed well, him. I think. Well, this. Well, but I watched the movie and I'm like, and he just walks away. And he just. I mean, that's what you figure. I mean, yeah. in your head, he's been absorbed by the big uh, thing monster at that point in time. But you never see. But everybody else does. I mean, you get they get a scene. Well, what I had read for my spare notes is that I guess they had shot more scenes in the movie, but due to some budget stuff like that, they had to cut his scene. Of what happened, they didn't say what was supposed to happen to him as far as what was in the storyboard, but they cut his scene of what really happened to him when he walked away. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's not there. So it was that was actually just a budget cut of what happened to him because we, I guess something. All you really needed for that was when you get the reveal, the monster. The yeah. yeah, it comes. To... You just you give us a little piece of Null's face right. on the side of it. That's all you needed to do. Yeah, to know that he had. But been dude, that freaking dog absorbed face that comes out of that that is a very another very memorable shot of this whole movie is just slimy dog big slimy dog coming but i do agree with you You slimy dog but i do agree with you i mean literally we go from the whole plunger thing not working Nall walks away and all of a sudden the the floor the whole trimmers thing goes it pops up we get our stop motion that josh was talking about of it sitting there and making these weird noises and the dog and then it's over i mean dynamite yeah fuck kill, you kill. too and that's i mean fuck you too i'm like <laughs> wow did we run out of time and we just like hey kurt we need to think of something really cool hey how about i just throw a stick of dynamite and say fuck you too in the movie i, I love it got it cut i don't really have a problem with it at all i just i it, it's definitely not traditional but there's a lot about this movie that's not i mean uh, oh yeah you know it, it it's a very bleak movie and i'm sure there weren't a lot of movies that ended this way back in 82 uh mm-hmm. Well, I think that's probably where some of the critical hate came probably. from. Was, and we've had a lot more movies that are more bleak, more challenging. Um, Nowadays, yeah, for sure. But I mean, you're, 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 you know, you mentioned Ex Machina. Mm-hmm. I mean, very similar in the sense. I think more important in this film than the, the blowing up the monster in the, in the cave is what happens afterwards right. that where he walks out and he encounters childs. That's the part I think of more when I think of the end of the thing, it's not True. really so much blowing up, blowing up Blair in the, mm-hmm. in the mind. It's really more that, that last. Yeah, moment. I agree. I, I, I agree with you there. And this is probably the, the scene that's most talked about and, and, and theorized is, you know, you still have childs and McCready here. Right. And who who is are either of them the thing? Are both of them the thi- uh, mm-hmm. things? Uh you know, is McCready the thing? Um one theory that I saw I like- says that when when Childs shows up with the with the flamethrower, he's not wearing the same clothes he was wearing before. I Right. There's a few things. I think here. that's a little that's a little like, and eh, because he's covered in snow, he could still be wearing the same clothes and they're going to look different because he's covered in snow. If we're, if we're 
playing upon the logic of the the prequel that set up where it can assimilate objects, then not then then Childs is not a thing because he's wearing an earring, and I looked for it. I yeah. saw him. I don't think we can. I don't think we can trust a a, a, a prequel that was made. But you but know, again, I mean, this also back. goes back to the thing with the doctor, Doctor Copper. I mean, he's wearing, a, but he right. was. It was never established that he was actually one of these creatures. So that that would be my argument for Childs is if we're if we're playing upon that logic, he has an earring in his ear, so that throws that out the window. But if we they, test, they tested Copper's blood, we, no, I'm saying they did. We never we never got you know we we somewhat proved that he wasn't a. They don't establish that rule, yeah, right? Movie, gotcha. so. Yeah, that's. I, I've got a couple of things on on the ending here. Um, one theory is that McCready uh, has a bottle of like the kerosene. Mm-hmm. It's not because he he had a bunch of mm-hmm. Molotovs before. Mm-hmm. So when he hands Childs the drink and Childs drinks it as the thing, he wouldn't know that that's what whiskey. Yeah. You know, he just pretends to drink because it. Because he does you know, smile. He you uh-huh. can see McCready smile. And McCready kind of chuckles after that, like, oh, you just, I busted yeah. you. You know what I mean? Uh, <clears throat> which I love that theory. That's I don't cool know theory. how true it is. But there was another thing. Dean Cundy, who does a great job on this, mm-hmm. as always, has said in an interview that they did eye lighting for people that were human and no eye lights for people that weren't. So... And in that scene, and if that checks out, like uh, throughout the film, if somebody's the thing, their eyes are dark. If somebody's human, they've got, you know, glints in their eyes. It's a Blade Runner thing. I'm going to go back and watch this movie again. It's so funny because Blade Runner came out the same day and there's all these theories that Blade Runner has that shit in it too. There's also the Inception theory of of, uh, Leo in that movie. If he's wearing a wedding ring, he's in a dream. If he's not wearing a wedding ring, he's not. It checks out. Which checks out. We actually did right. that. But uh, so so. But in that scene, Child's eyes are dark, mm. and McCready has glints in his eyes. So that is supports the fact that Child's is. It but also it and McCready. I I like the idea that McCready has one last trick up his sleeve and hands him the Molotov. But during our conversation like here, about this thing imitating people and being a perfect replica or whatever. And as Palmer was putting it to his emotions out there, when you, when we, we know for a fact he was a creature is all of this McCready assimilated freezing himself in the snow. Cause he's the, he thinks he's the only one left. Right. That's the, that's, Another theory that McCready and he would know, be doing the everybody. same, protecting himself, making a case right. for himself, defending what he is. Like it is so open to interpretation mm-hmm. because it could be McCready, it could be him. There, the what? There's another thing. Uh, there's a another thing, thing about is the thing. That child's. You can't see, <laughs> you can't see child's breath in that final scene. You can see McCready's mm-hmm. breath. Uh, you know, in the cold and child's breath doesn't show up. Which is not really something that I think they established in any of the, any of the other scenes with other than, you know, the thing doesn't like warmth, Mm -hmm. you know, doesn't like fire fire and and stuff and is fine being cold. You know, the, the thing would have been as child's walking around the cold, just being cold, doesn't care. 
you know, uh, whereas, you know, uh, McCready is yeah. a warm-blooded Yeah, because the thing knows it can freeze, but if it's found, it can reanimate. Right. So, But it knows a human, if you freeze, you're dead. So There's also the idea that, you know, we keep talking about there's like multiple things, oh, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. When it gets split and there's multiple things, like are they necessarily in cahoots? You know, you could have multiple things that aren't. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the case that a lot of people together. make for you, McCready is the whole showdown with the big with the big bad at the end. And the yeah, fuck you, too, is like right. he destroys one of them. Why would it be destroying exactly. one of its own? But we don't establish that these things work together. They're they're completely right. like defending their own well being. So, which is why Childs and McCready could arguably be both be things. True. At the end. <laughs> I don't know. I I I liked for me what makes me the happiest is McCready is the the kerosene in the bottle theory, and that child and the Childs is the bad guy. Of course, you know, like McCready says, we're not in any position to do anything yeah. about it you yeah. know um so well even even if childs is the thing and McCre- mccready's argument but i mean childs does have a flamethrower he if he is a if he is one of them he could potentially just roast roast mccready up and he'd be the only one left but right i mean but again that's kind of the line he says well i can't i can't do anything to you anyway so child's like so All that's right, really the sit. genius in this movie is we could sit here and theorize and talk for two more hours and probably still come up with completely different answers to what we're talking mm-hmm. about. Well, either way, without any of the theories, like you were just watching this movie in 1982, and you think back to all the movies back then, uh, the the main character kills the monster, end of the story, it's over, yay, happy, happy, you're lucky. But in 1982, without even all those things, these two guys are going to die. They are left there. It is bleak. Very. We are left with the same score we opened with. Yeah. With a compound burning in the background, and it it ends on a bad note. Like they're they're gonna die. So it it isn't like Arnold killing the predator or Sigourney Weaver throwing the alien out of the airlock. No, this is these guys are dead. They're going to die right here. So I mean that was a very. Or they're going to freeze and take over the world in some other way. Yes. (laughs) I, you know, no, we don't need a sequel necessarily, but I wouldn't mind another movie that deals with the You know, honestly. Maybe in a different location or something like that. I mean, the prequel is actually good. Like crazy for a prequel that far after the fact to actually be serviceable. I know it's got bad CGI. The fact that they story-wise and performances Mm -hmm. and stuff, that's a, that's a good watch. I actually feel like watching it now after Mm -hmm. watching the original. Yeah, I I like that they took the time and the effort to actually show you the blueprint of where you're going to go in the movie that, that we just watched. It's a great concept Mm -hmm. for the movie because yeah, all that stuff is established in, in this movie. They do leave some things open in that one that we don't discover in this one. Like, at the end of that one, uh, Mary Mary Elizabeth Winstead sets what's his face on fire in the snowcat by the ship, mm-hmm. and when they go to the ship in this movie, you don't see any of that. Like none of that's there. Or so, it's covered in yeah. oh, no. Well, well, it, it depends off. He had a snowstorm. It could be covered in snow. Possibly. It, I mean, it does. You get. But the thing about this movie and, and the thing about this movie being so highly regarded is the creature effects and the practical effects in it, and what really hurt. 
the prequel is the fact that they relied on the CGI. Um, I yeah. love that we... As did a lot of movies in that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I love the fact that they give you the the melding of those two people, and then we see it in this movie where you see the two heads that have melted together. I, yeah, there's lots of nice Easter eggs and connections and yeah, things like it's, that. It's fun it's, to watch as yeah, a fan. It's fun to go movie. back and watch when you watch the prequel and try to remember all the stuff you saw McCready and Dr. Copper look at. Mm-hmm. And when it happened yeah. in the prequel, so oh look, there's the axe. Oh, there's yeah. that. Oh, there's mm-hmm. that. That it's kind of cool to do that. Like I said, but the the CGI it, it like took the movie from what it could be to like yeah. it destroyed it. Definitely. So, yeah. so that's unfortunate. So what we got, Josh? There's there there's no there's no question here. This is a buy it. There's no rent or, or forget it for this. I mean, if you are a fan of movies, there's no reason you shouldn't you shouldn't have this movie. Oh yeah. And this is my favorite John Carpenter for the record, if that wasn't obvious, but, uh, I wonder what mine is. He never, <laughs> huh? Oh yeah, I know. I, yeah. You guys, you guys have, well, I, I would still have to put Halloween above this in my, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it a lot more. I, I, I love the fact that I have to think about this movie so much, but I also love that I don't have to think about Halloween this much. <laughs> it's a much different movie. And and yeah, if you want to talk influence, obviously Halloween is more influential. If I, if I were but, going to uh, rate John Carpenter movies, it would be Halloween and then the thing for sure. I mean, yeah. it it's, What's that third spot then? That's that's an interesting. Who gets the third spot? You Probably Big Trouble in Little trouble China. Trouble in China. Big Trouble just for for comedy. Yeah. I mean, uh, we could. This could be an, a whole show in itself. Honestly, let's just rank John Carpenter movies. I love Christine. Yeah. I oh, love okay. In the Mouth of Madness. Um, I I love In the Mouth of Madness. I kind of Prince of Dark. I kind of defend Ghost of Mars. I. It's fun to watch because I love Carpenter. Yeah. But no, I think it's a fun watch, but yeah, I mean, yeah, but in the mouth of madness is Prince of Darkness, Head, head and Shoulders, dude. Above. Prince of Darkness, that's a thinker. I I'm <laughs> not as high up on Prince of Darkness as a lot of people are, but I do like it, and I it's just not one that I've seen a lot. I literally hadn't seen Prince of Darkness up until about four or five, six, seven years ago, something like that. Like not not that long ago. Four, five, six, seven, eight, thirteen, 13, 13 yeah. eighteen years ago. Oh, I remember again seeing it as a, you know, as a time as a construct, and it was just like Black that circle. movie made no sense to me as a kid. It took me to being an adult in my upper twenties to watch this movie and kind of get an idea of Prince of Darkness. All the reason why I would probably love it now. Yeah, just because it, it's so am, ambiguous and you don't know. I mean, we'll eventually talk about it on this show for sure. And yeah, it's yeah. definitely not his worst. <laughs> we won't get no the ward. No, certainly not. But let's get some good and bad, the ugly, the good, the bad, the ugly. Why? For me, the good is obviously creature effects, uh, the paranoia, the setting, the dogs. The ambiguity, every, every, I mean, all that stuff. That's Josh's word of this episode. What? Ambiguity, ambiguity, dogs. dogs. <laughs> if I if I was if I'm picking something bad or ugly for this movie, it's windows in the mouth of of Palmer. 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 <laughs> that that 
that dummy slinging around looks pretty bad and it's pretty ugly. So that would that would be it for me. How about you, Jenny? Obviously, the practical effects are just phenomenal. Kurt Russell. Yeah. Uh, Under understated, oh, but he's. Let me have this for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt Russell looks better in this movie every time I see this movie. Because uh, the first time I saw Kurt Russell was overboard. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Clean shaven, you know. Mullet. And, and he had was clean shaven for a good period of like the 80s, 90s. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So when I finally yeah, saw most of his, yeah. this movie, I was like... Well, hey now, Kurt Russell, where you been hiding? He's got the long hair. Jenny is thirsty for so many dudes in her movies. Yeah. Uh, His blue eyes really yeah, pop he, in this, too. And he's just great. I I love the character. I love how he takes charge. Um, no bullshit. Just like, we're burning these dudes, you know. Shoots what's-his-face Yeah, he's Yeah, he's, he's just the badass. Yeah. Yeah, McCready's yeah. amazing. Yeah, uh, and his hat. <laughs> the hat's great. Um, bad. If I had to say anything, I just don't like seeing dogs hurt in movies, and the effects are so good that you could buy that it's actually a dog being hurt in these yeah. movies. So it's that's it's hard for me to watch that part, even though that, it is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that one scene where uh, where Blair killed the dogs with the dog with his head cut off with the axe. Yeah. That looked so real. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Jason, what's your stuff? Um, let's see. We're going to go for a three for here. These practical and all the special effects <laughs> other than the stop motion in, fantastic. It's what makes this movie what it is. I mean, the story is great. The bleak setting like you just almost get from the very beginning this is not going to turn out well i mean it's 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 going to be bad uh my ugly is just the way the movie was originally perceived in 1982 that you read about how the worst movie ever made it's just horrible because they're comparing it to the goody goody two-shoe et movies and stuff like that this movie is a classic it is got a severe you know Everybody follows this movie. There, you got people nowadays who make movies who are directors and special effects guy that this movie started them on their path. But how in 1982 they were so closed-minded that this movie was the most horrible movie ever made. It's just it's too over the top, too gory. So that's my ugly. I have one more thing just to interject. It's not necessarily a bad, but this movie makes me cold. <laughs> I think that's part of the point. Yeah, that's and, I the mean, whole point. yeah, you know, there's and it is cold there's right now. Certain movies. I just don't want you to be confused, but it's actually yeah. cold. <laughs> May not be the movie that makes you feel that. But there are certain movies that just make you cold when you watch them. There's it doesn't matter what the weather is. Fargo is yeah, another nobody's one. Comfortable in this like, movie. Yeah, always yeah. I'm mm-hmm. freezing when I'm watching that movie. It just looks miserable. That's it. Agreed, Eric. Agreed. Uh, I got good, bad, and the ugly. Good, bad, and the ugly. Good is everything. <laughs> uh, script, direction, score, performances, effects, all of it. Bad is the computer simulation. Yeah. And uh, ugly is it's the so long too. Ugly. Like, couldn't they have sped that shit up? 
the slowest Asteroids game ever. <laughs> wait, wait, what'd you say was your ugly? Yeah, Josh cut you off. Just the monster's ugly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the monster's pretty it, fucking ugly. It's really ugly. It's just ugly. Right? Yeah. It's ugly. U-G-L-Y. You don't need no alibi. In a good way. You ugly. You ugly. <laughs> There's Jenny's cheerleader coming out there. All right, we're going to do this real quick. <laughs> Talk kills. Oh, shit. Okay. I was not prepared for I didn't, this. I, didn't, I was not prepared for it either. I but don't know. I've been gone. But I already know. Well, I already know. I mean, there's not a ton to talk about. I mean, everybody dies in this movie, but I mean, I would assume that the defibrillator scene is probably everybody's. I mean, it's got the most iconic stuff in it, but. If I were picking something in this that stands out to me, it would be Blair and uh, the guy at the end oh, yeah. with the fingers Finger, in the face. Oh, uh, Gary. Gary's face. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love the visual of that. I love the effects or the, the the makeup they use. And then when he starts dragging the body away, I just, I love that. Love it. Love it. So I kind of, I kind of well, sp- sprung I'm, this on everybody, but. Yeah. And I guess I'm, I'm a basic Bitch. <laughs> I was about to say, yo, basically, I, like I like the defibrillator kill. Yeah, that's great. It's just unexpected. There's no way you could see that coming. And it's gory and it's gnarly and, and it's everything in this movie is. Mm-hmm. So that's well, I'm my- not going to be a basic bitch like Eric over here. I'm going to go with the dog <laughs> scene at the beginning when the dog kills the other dogs because as a kid watching this movie, that was the one that scarred me the most because it's dogs being killed. It's horrible. So not fun. So Jenny. Jenny. She wasn't quite prepared, but Well, it was my idea to do top practical effects, and you said it's the whole movie. But basically Why don't you give us your favorite practical effects? There you go, Jenny. Top killer practical effects. <laughs> there you go. Um I do really like the finger in the face scene. It yeah. just, it looks great. Real. Like you really <laughs> believe that he has pushed his fingers into this guy's skin. It's, it's not even really what you would expect. No. it, And I really, I really like that. But like, as far as a kill goes, and this might be unexpected. I, when they torch Bennings, like, Oh yeah. Just, because it's the first time you're really seeing, like, the potential of what this thing can be. Yeah. And he's got those creepy fingers and then that sound. It's just... And then he's like, no, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> you gone. You out of here. Nope. How did you order your bennings? Nope. Medium well or well done? Crispy. <laughs> Extra crispy, please. So John Carpenter's the thing, guys. That that was that was a fun conversation. We did it. I'm glad we talked about this. It was. One. It's a great yep. movie. It's great. Yeah, um, this was a little rough on my brain for my first show back. I'm like, oh my, <laughs> you're my, y'all, you guys are really making me think here. But I'm it's glad, Josh. I helped you. I I glad. I'm glad I helped Josh with the whole blood scene. And you know, honestly, like figured that out. There's a particular moment in my notes where I wrote down, "If you look, there are glaring issues with this movie." And by the time we got to that note, I was like. Pretty much all my issues are are, are plausible. So, That's all so, it took. Yeah, I'm glad I mean, I'm back, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I did my job. I'm well, here. That, that's going to do it for this episode of VHS Files. We will be back next week, and I believe we are going to be talking Tremors. Yes. We've been wanting to talk about this one for a while, and 
I've kind of been putting it off because I was waiting on my 4K Arrow Edition to come in, but I got it now, so let's do it. My 4K Arrow <laughs> Edition. Hey, I'm so much better than you, man. I'm so extra. I have the basic bitch Blu-ray <laughs> edition. Oh, I thought you were going to say you had the DVD. <laughs> I got that shit on VHS. <laughs> that would be appropriate for this show. I think I actually do. Well, maybe. I don't know. We want to. Uh, we brought up in the Die Hard episode, we wanted to start doing some more fun ways of picking our movies. Unfortunately, due to Jenny and I's situation, we'll be moving pretty soon. So we don't have a lot of access to most of our All movies of our now. Movies are in storage. <laughs> so if we can't get it on streaming or I didn't pull it uh, out of out of what we didn't pack, uh, it's going to be tough to do. So uh, we've got a handful of stuff that we've all kind of. We've got a list of movies that we've all kind of compiled together and we're going to start picking from those and we should be doing those here coming up. But yeah, I mean, we decided that Tremors was a good one to go next week and we're going to do that. And then once we get a little more settled and get into our new place, we'll start doing some fun things with picking the movies for the week and that good stuff. But come back next week and you'll hear us talk about Kevin Bacon and Tremors. Bacon. The Baconator. Baconator. Double. I want to go to Wendy's now. Nah. <laughs> well until next time everybody be kind rewind we will see you next week bye bye, bye. fuck up goodbye it's over you've been listening to the vhs files podcast watch a few movies take a few notes if you like what you heard please subscribe and drop us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcast it was fun <laughs> Send your questions, comments, and movie suggestions to vhsfilespodcast at gmail.com. I sing Foxy. You've seen one too many movies. Don't you blame the movies! Follow us on all social media outlets at vhsfilespodcast. Movies don't create psychos! Check out our YouTube channel for more content. Movies make psychos more creative! <laughs> Thanks for listening. The good vibrations. I'm fucking done, y'all. Are you fucking kidding me? Jarpenter? This is the second time it's done this shit to me. We're having technical difficulties, folks. Diabetes. It assimilated to... Bro- to, to- yeah, the Wolf of Brimley cat. <laughs>